0: Listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast All you have to do is download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today In five four three two one. What's up? Everybody? Welcome to another episode of the genius brain podcast Well, we have our returning guest, Ed Too, of course, the man, the the myth, the legend himself came out of hiding once again. Yes, I did. You know what I just realized as I'm looking into the screen? I got the craziest (laughs) fucking uh, t-shirt tan I've ever seen in my life, and that's going to be the top comment. (laughs) So before we even talk about that, fuck you. And of course, we have a very special guest only because we have been on this theme of talking about... Specifically, I mean, you guys know what's going on in this country. Um, and I come from a very, uh, I would say, I wouldn't say poor background, but I would say poor. <laughs> I would say a very poor background. And it wasn't um, it wasn't really an inner city. It was still like in a relative like suburb, but um, it was like kind of borderlining that area where it was going to be either really poor or not too poor. Right. So I kind of went to that nice little medium area of that. John, what's your last name? Quan. John, of course, <laughs> it's like the most simple. as it rhymes, <laughs> Dr. John Kwan. <laughs> oh, Dr. John, we have, yeah. for real? Yeah. we have Dr. John Kwan here. Ooh, yeah. You are a, a vice principal of an inner city school or a charter school? Uh, I was at a charter school, but right now I'm at an inner city school. Okay. So you were, at, how, how long were you at the charter school for?
1: Nine years. Oh, um, damn. Yeah, yeah. Five years as an English teacher, as a high school um four years as a an assistant principal and then um last school year i transitioned over to my new district oh,
0: what made you want to go into uh, education in the first place because for me originally i i wanted to be a teacher and then i had a conversation with my dad and then he said oh so you want to be poor and then he just <laughs> shut down my whole dream of becoming an educator i mean so what, what made you want to go into ed- education specifically and even then you wanted you went into a charter school
1: yeah uh to make a difference no no that's not it um <laughs> I got asked that question like in an interview once and I gave that and this was like earlier on in my career and mm-hmm. then afterwards some dude who I met made kind of an impression I was like hey you know we like you we're gonna have a spot for you we'll keep you on tabs but don't ever give that fucking answer. Yeah, Everybody <laughs> wants to make a difference but <laughs> just, yeah. don't, don't say that. Just you know, tell the
2: truth you need yeah. a
1: job. You <laughs> need that money. No. Yeah. Um, it started because in college you know I didn't really have um, a clear idea of what I wanted to do you know in yeah. terms of like my profession and um i reached out to my sister because i started off with a busy econ major thinking i'll go into like finance or accounting something stable it's like every other asian yeah, <laughs> yeah. Much, you know? <laughs> it's like you steer away from the lawyer or whatever like doctor route and so like no nah, i just want to make money um but i talked to my sister who was out in new york um and i was taking some finance classes and i was telling her like hey Duna, like this is just beating me up like i have no motivation to study i didn't have that much motivation to study anyway but it was like compounding it and making it worse And so I was asking her, like, hey, does it get better, like, in the upper divs? Like, does it get more, like, interesting? It's just, no, it gets worse. If you can't do it right now, like, I hate my life right now. So I recommend that you get out. So I was like, all right. So I got out, and I was thinking, like, okay, what can I switch to? Um, And I always grew up loving reading. That's just something that, like, my mom and dad really instilled in me. Like, my summer school daycare was my parents, just because they both worked. They would drop my sister and me off. You know at the library and it's like all right start at this end and just work your way down yeah um so i became an english major and i started liking philosophy so uh minor than that and i thought i'd you know think through like okay what can i do so i talked to like one of those guidance counselors like what are some careers that an english major can do because I kept hearing that english majors you just become poor yeah like, what are you gonna do with it <laughs> yeah. Be a writer? yeah and he said you know like the english major and philosophy would be helpful for law school Uh, if that's something that you want to consider. So I actually um, interned or not interned because it was paid, but it was like somewhat of a role between being an intern and a gopher, you know, at a law firm, at a crim D firm. Um, And it was pretty small, um, but I did that. And I started like one of my uh, responsibilities were to listen to interviews and then transcribe them Mm. and then do some research and see like, what are some like relevant cases with ed law. Um, But I was reading some of these transcripts. I was like, yo, this, this dude is like clearly guilty. Mm-hmm. Why we're, why are we defending him? Or like, what, what's the case going to be built on? And I remember the lead lawyer or attorney at the time was like, we're not here to interpret like guilt or innocence. We're just interpreting the law for them. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the case is, this person who may look guilty still deserves like a fair trial, due yeah, process, right. and should deserve like the best opportunity that he can get with the law that we interpret. And that just didn't sit well with me, you know, my core values. Um, so I got, and like, j- it just happened by by chance. I got invited to um, go volunteer at a youth group, like summer camp. And it's something that I used to like participate in. Um, but it was like an old mentor of mine, like a hyung, was like, Hey, like, what are you doing this summer? We need some extra hands. Um, you want to come out? And I was like, no, it's not really my thing. I kind of like, you know, moved away from the church. He's like, no, you don't have to do like any prayer or spiritual stuff. We just need you like in the kitchen <laughs> like just,
0: like maybe
2: some just, to just cracking open some eggs and peeling eggs that's all yeah. we need you to do yeah
1: and i was like all right i can do that and it's like i could reconnect with some of like the old church homies and i realized at that trip and i think it was really transformative because i interacted with like youth in a way that just invigorated my soul you know like it just energized me in a way that i was like i like this what can i do more with this i don't want to like be a priest. I don't want to like <laughs> you know, I like kids so much, I want to be a priest. <laughs> no,
3: no, no. I, I that but
0: that that is rude his whole career. <laughs> <laughs> like, just down the drain. You know? <laughs>
1: that's when I I, I got into um, like the opportunity of teaching. So I started volunteering at some schools, seeing if like this is something that I want to do. But it was really the the kids who attracted me. Like there's yeah. something about it that was like authentic and honest. That I didn't find like at a crim d firm, especially, um, and it, it seemed fun. At that time, I didn't know how like shitty they got paid, but yeah. yeah, that's how I started.
0: Oh, that's crazy! I mean, when when what can you explain to people what exactly a charter school is? I live next to a charter school back in Sacramento, so I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. but the a bad charter boys school, and girls.
1: A charter school. You're from Sacramento? Yeah, Sacramento. Yeah. A charter school, in a nutshell, is a school that has opened up with the permission that was given a charter. Like a contract by the local district to exist um, because the charter school finds like some niche or an area where they feel like they can do they can outperform the neighborhood school yeah so whether that comes from instruction or providing some specific programming like fine arts mm-hmm. or they they provide like a um, just a different experience and it, it could happen because there's overcrowdedness in schools but it could also happen just because an outside organization sees like like a, an underperformance. And says, hey, we think we can open up a school and actually um, outperform the local schools. Oh, wow. So are charter schools uh, privately funded or is publicly funded? Both. And there's like mixed models. Some charter schools um, have a lot more private funding. So they just have like grants and donors and different like foundations that help like support them. Um, But there are some schools that exist just on the public dollar.
0: Mm -hmm. And then you went from the charter school into what you do now, which is... Yeah, But but charter
2: schools tend to still be in inner cities. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah, some charter schools have been
1: opening up like in, you know, predominantly affluent areas like uh-huh.
2: Huntington Beach or
0: because
1: they're yeah. providing like a niche program. Okay. Or okay. maybe there's, you know, a segment of that city that's not
2: doing as well as everyone else in that city. Yeah. So they come in. Yeah. Well, um, what, would, what do you think like just off the top of your head the ratio would be then to like affluent neighborhoods to, you know, more, I guess, uh, poor socioeconomic Areas yeah. more for sure in underprivileged areas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So is a charter school built around that area to give these kids like a leg up? Is that what it is? In one sense. Yeah. 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 Because I'm, um, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because like when it comes to like education, um, cause for me, I didn't give a fuck about education. I could give two fucking shits less about it in high school. Like I literally I mean, I wasn't as bad as this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but i it, it was hard for me to see value in it. Be, even if my parents harped it on me, right? Like even since I was a lot younger, my parents were like, you have to get into a college. You have to get into a college. It's important. It's important. It's important. But I think when, I hung around certain peers that didn't give a fuck about an education. I didn't give a fuck either, yeah, and you so that that
2: really would beg the question then right like in in like a poor uh socioeconomic area, how do you get kids to care about education when what's around them is not focused on education right exactly it might it might be like drug dealing right it might be gang banging right so like in that sense, then how do you get kids to care right yeah. I mean, I think
1: that's a, uh, there, there's no, I mean, I don't have, first of all, I don't have an answer to that question, right? Yeah. I'm not an expert in that field. Um, and I, I would really question anyone who says, oh, this is the answer to get unmotivated kids motivated. I think for anyone, how do you motivate them is uh, there, there was a lot of like research and theories built on it, but to actually apply it to different, like specific groups, it's it's really hard to define. Um, but I think when you, you ask a question of like, okay, we're in inner city schools there may be an assumption that there's less motivated kids. And so how do you re-motivate them? Um, That question in itself may be biased, right? Mm. Because you're coming at it from like an Mm. assumed lens. Right, right, right. And then I think it's also problematic because then you just put the onus completely on the students and say, this is your responsibility Mm. to be more motivated, to be more successful and, you know, um, invested in your future. And I think um, if you polled anyone and say, hey, do you care about your future? Most of them would say, yes. Yeah. So even you
3: know, if <laughs> your answer was, yeah. "No, nah, fuck that," yeah, yeah. Nah.
1: you know, like I, I live for the day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rare. Even if someone vocalizes that, you know, I, I just find it hard to believe. It just goes against our like self preservation, you know. Mm. Um, so I think the the better question then is, what is going on at that school that is unmotivating? Mm. Like, what is your educational experience right now that you devalue? You know, or do what, they have enough funding, right? Do you have enough funding? Like, yeah. okay, so what are you interested in? Yeah. Okay, you you want to study more of, you know, current events in your history class, but you're reading about old dead white guys. Right. You know? Or you want a better sports program. Or you want, you know, debate or mm-hmm. speech. Or you want better, like, extracurricular programs like dances and clubs. But
0: there's just no room for it, mm. you know? Yeah. Because I feel like the after-school program aspect is the part that gets kids really into school, right? Um. I think, like, after-school programs, first of all, for poor kids, it's very, very important because they need a place to go. Yeah, for sure. Like, a lot of people who are, like, in terrible, like, socioeconomic situations, there's no babysitter. There's no uh, person waiting for them at home, right? So to get them out of trouble is to give them an activity to do. Right. You don't want them on the
2: streets on their free time, right? You want them involved in, in like, a a community that kind of cultivates positivity and learning, right? Whether it's a sports team or, you know, uh, pursuing, I guess, like, those uh, extra – extracurricular uh subjects yeah. right that that aren't part of the regular curriculum right yeah yeah because whitney whitney had a lot of money
1: right i mean i don't know exactly what i've never looked at their their books it's publicly available yeah
2: it's, yeah, it's a public school
1: yeah yeah I mean, it's all available yeah um there's something called like the local
0: control funding formula and like the. i mean like it, it, their money's available you could see their
1: books and like their plans
0: because when it but, comes to funding right like it's it's so odd because when i when i compare my high school experience to other people's right and i hear the, the courses that they're taking in high school mm-hmm. i didn't have any of that shit mm-hmm. they're like oh like we're like certain art programs that you could take as an elective class right like we had like shop like woodwork here and there see, right? we didn't have shop or woodwork oh do you guys did?
2: yeah
1: we didn't have anything like that that, um, and it's so like some schools and districts still have it. So, my current district has things like that, mm-hmm. and it's um, categorized under CTE. What's that? It's so like career technical education. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 So, like different schools in our district um, may have had it, like mm-hmm. Artesia, mm. GAR. And so, it's really uh, a pathway where it's like, okay, I'm not headed maybe towards the traditional four year university or even like, you know, community college and then call a uh, university, but I want to go straight into a trade school. So, let yeah. me build the CTE skills. Like shop or woodwork or, I mean, there's other things now too that it taps into. Mm -hmm. There's like forensic science. I mean, there's things that go across like uh, the STEM, whatever, um, type of
0: classes. Mm. Yeah, because we had I like I just this one dude named Jared. I remember him. Like he he was in shop class all the fucking time and lo and behold he's a grease monkey now. Like that's what he does for a living. I feel like a lot of students, they kind of knew their lane. Like they sucked at every fucking class. (laughs) Like they were just dumb as shit. Yeah. But when it came to shop, this motherfucker could build anything, right? So I remember like he had like this old uh toyota tacoma mm. and the next thing you know that shit looked like it was gonna like go over rocks and you know buildings <laughs> and climb shit and trapeze over shit i was like how the yeah. fuck did he do this but he yeah. just learned how to do that all he his found shop. his lane i mean and,
2: and luckily he there was a lane for him to pursue but like what you're saying is that sometimes that lane isn't there for the kids to, to actually even have a chance to pursue it right yeah and by the time that you know you're kind of reaching uh graduation age it's already too late because You've already have like completely lost interest in education at that point. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, the last time because the last time we were here, we were talking specifically because in your position. Like you're you're a vice principal of a school, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about the situation in Whitney, where which was your alma mater as well, right? How yes, there's sir. a lot of like anti-blackness in that school, right? Yes, sir. And we, you know, reading a couple of these emails that these students were sending to me, it's it's very interesting how in that school specifically, both of them talk about not the students but they also talk about the teachers and how they perpetuate that specific thing that you know it bleeds into the students right so for my my thing like i always wonder okay number 1 why is it not addressed number 2 why how does it get addressed and number 3 how, how does it become a big enough issue where it should stop right because if the educators don't find it to be a problem and they're the one perpetuating that type of stuff like where do, where does where does who can step in to, to change that in that school because I didn't grow up with that. Like I always mentioned, I never grew up with that and it never crossed my mind that that would be a huge issue. But when I see that in another school such as Whitney, which, you know, lo and behold, when I was researching and I found out, it's like a highly accredited school. And you would think that at a place in an education level that high, it wouldn't be a problem like that, especially in a school, quote unquote, though they're not black. They are colored people, right? They're Asian. A majority of them are Asian. So where does, where does administration's responsibility step in and how does that change?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. And um, you know, what's funny is, I saw something th- this morning. I, I haven't fully like read it or processed it, but there was like a petition request that came out in like that Facebook Facebook group. And in it, they, someone, or like a, a group of authors, mm-hmm. they wrote like this manifesto or like, not a manifesto, but requests on like how they can see change. And I thought the recommendations in there were pretty solid and they were a really good starting point. Um, So I skimmed through it. I mean, like I spent a total of maybe like two minutes on it. Um, But some things that resonated with me was like, first of all, creating like a zero tolerance policy, right? And I think something that's related to that is, as educators, we are mandated reporters. What that means is so like two quick examples is anything that's related to like sexual harassment, we have to report, otherwise, we're held accountable and responsible. Like if, if a student comes to me and says, hey, like event A may have happened, and I don't know how I feel about it. I say, hey, you know what, sometimes It's cool. (laughs) It just happens, you know, like, don't worry about it. If I said something like that, I I would lose my credential or potentially lose my credential or be even be locked up. (laughs) If it came out later on that, hey, I reported it to Mm. him and he never did anything. Oh, wow. The same thing for neglect or abuse, you know, and even if you observe something. So, for example, if um, like a student just comes in with the same pair of jeans and it's tattered or two weeks later, I see like the same food stains and something's going to, you know, just catch my attention. And I was like, hey, maybe, like, what's going on? Like, are those like your favorite pair of jeans? It's like, no, well, you know what? My mom hasn't been home in like a couple weeks. Or my washer broke down, and I actually, you know, just, I don't know. Like, I'm getting hungry or whatever the case is. But if I hear these things, I have to report it to, oh. yeah, to uh, child services. But um, so going back to that, uh, what's going on at Whitney, they brought up something called zero tolerance. And I don't think... That's what they're exactly alluding to, but I think we're heading closer in that direction if we say we will not tolerate like racism, yeah.
2: whether it's. Is that something that like needs to be instated like a zero? <laughs> you know, shouldn't that be like yeah. from an as an educator, shouldn't that already be a given and stand? The fact that it has to be introduced yeah. as we're going to have zero policy from now on sounds a little ridiculous right it does but then like if it's not
1: written down or mm-hmm. a policy then there's nothing that really like governs uh, like, I I see. yeah account. yeah i yeah. See. so like fighting be- and then this is like controversial um and i i don't necessarily agree agree with like a a, a zero tolerance for fighting but just as an example of mm-hmm. zero tolerance fighting was introduced as that so anytime it happened mm-hmm. then there was action you know whereas before i was like well was it really a fight mm-hmm. you know so there's some problematic areas I that would have okay. to be teased out, but yeah. I, I remember seeing that. I saw um, like really developing some cultural awareness. So having black champions on campus who are adults, right? Like an advisor, you know, we had like counselors or advisors. Yeah. Mama Logan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or having um, diversity, equity, like inclusion trainings for for students. I mean, I mean, for staff, but also creating curriculum for students. Um, so I remember those things and I think that's like really heading in the right direction, providing space for for black culture to be celebrated, to be recognized, not just when like issues come out, but consistently saying like, hey, these were or this is a marginalized group. Let's elevate them. Let's demarginalize them because mm-hmm. we know what the dominant culture is. Yeah. Not only is it white, but at Whitney, it's it's yellow. It's Asian. Pretty yeah. homogenous, it's a, right? Yeah it, yeah, it is homogenous. And so I could see how just raising awareness saying I mean, like the first steps of, I don't know if this is like part of AA or whatever it is, but of recognize, like recognizing a problem is the first step. (laughs) Verbalizing it and saying, we want to do something about it from like decision makers is incredibly powerful. Mm. You know, if it happens behind closed doors, um, then as an administrator, sometimes we have to deal with sensitive issues. And I'm talking about maybe like a parent who comes in, who doesn't agree with like our policy. So for example, we had a lot of uh, kids bringing in alcohol and hiding it in bottles. Mm. And just as a stopgap to stop it immediately, we said no outside drinks oh, for the time okay. being until right. we could strategize because it, it, it was happening too much uh, where we couldn't get ahead of it. And then some parents came in and. My kid wants to drink. What's the
0: problem? <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: what the fuck? Yeah. Kills it, him out a little bit. <laughs> the area I work in right now, it gets hot, you know? Yeah. And so parents would come in it's like, hey, my kid's gonna get dehydrated. Um, and he doesn't like the water that's like at the fountains, is there a way you can make an exception? So we created some backdoor rules. Like, okay, we'll create a list. If we get parent permission, and you're monitoring what the student's bringing in, we'll allow it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But we didn't advertise that. Yeah, because as soon as you put it on paper, <laughs> people are going to hold you to it. Right, you know? right, everyone's right. going to. Yeah, like,
2: my office would have been filled. with yeah. like hundreds of you students just, coming in. You just get a workload, added workload on top of everything else you got going on. Yeah,
1: so I think what they're doing is really cool because um, we we kind of talked about it before. But these are our peers, you know, yeah. and these are like our mid thirty year old. Um, I, I want to say you know students, but they're not. They're full grown adults who saw yeah. something and was like. I have an investment in Whitney and I'm going to do
2: something. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is too, now some of these people are educators. Some of these people are lawyers, right? Yeah. So they're kind of looking at it and wrecking. Well, obviously there's the personal attachment because that's uh, that's a school that they actually went to. But then also hearing about it just from uh, like object, objectively speaking, like what the hell is going on there, right? Like yeah. we, we need to do something because we have the power and the
0: experience now to do it. Yeah, it's
2: not it's not something where you're just like, well, that sucks, but what can
0: we do, yeah. right? I think the sad thing is, is like for when I when I look at an institution like that, right, and I, and it's sad for me because I always think now, and I'm only starting to believe this more and more now, is that. It seems that punitive measures are the things that really motivates people or maybe not so much more but scares them. <laughs> it fucking starts to scare them because yeah. a lot of people like let's say even Whitney like I don't know what the school is like yeah. but I could see uh, educators who are in that area that doesn't they don't want like the negative media to come in. They might do the lip service of saying, "Of course we'll get to it." So, like for me, I would like to see if if some in a school like that for them to think about hiring new educators who are of color that do understand this, right? Because you could go ahead and put somebody in that school and say, let's say for some, like, like me, I become a teacher, right? And then I'm gonna teach these kids about like, black American studies. It's like, yeah. it's not the same, you yeah. know, I mean, this is like secondhand information, <laughs> you know? So for in that type of case too, like you have educators, you could tell them like, hey, this is what you have to They go, okay, but th- does it really change? Do mm-hmm. they really care? Like, for example, um, you know, recently, uh, you know, Khalif, yeah. Khalif, Khalif has been trying to uh, uh, they have a group they're called like YBS, right? Oh. Uh, young black scholars, mm-hmm. and so they went to go ahead and donate money. And when they went there, he told me that they said that uh, he goes, well, here's the money for for YBS, and they were like, what's YBS? (laughs) you know it's like what do you mean what's ybs this young black scholars they go okay well let me go check to see what that is yeah so for me i see that so it's a lot of lip service you know right so because they could go ahead and tell the public oh we'll do better but there's only about like four or five black students and it really depends on those young students to really speak up against to see what's going to happen but when they are the minority in a a majority how hard is it for these kids to speak up right so that's where there has to be where i i don't know what that solution is it's like it seems like it's going to be a cyclical issue Mm -hmm. where they constantly go oh Okay, we're, we had this group called YBS, and the whole public goes, "Oh, young black scholars, they got it done." But as it goes to show, when Khalif went over there, here's the money for YBS. What's that? Yeah, what <laughs> the
3: know? fuck you
2: talking about? It's like, so, 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 <laughs> that so, <a> gang, <laughs>
0: exactly. So, what's the next step? Do, yeah. do you have to get fucking flamed? Like, what? What are these people going to do? Yeah, that is tricky too, right? Because
2: like there are uh, certain people in the administration who are accused of, you know, um, having some. uh racist comments or racist behavior. And so question is, do those people get replaced or do you give them a second chance with these new policies instated, like the zero tolerance policy, right? I mean, because if these people, because these are grown adults, right? Whose worldviews are, I mean, I'm not going to say set in stone, but it's shaped pretty well at that point in their life. Yeah. And if they have these type of views and if they have these type of thoughts and they've acted on that, to students I mean that shows a huge amount of negligence and irresponsibility to be in a position to educate the future you know so I mean what 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 what's your thoughts on something like that?
1: Yeah I think um, they're valid firstly what he was bringing up was about like the how effective like punitive measures can be mm-hmm. and I think what you're also kind of bringing up or like you guys are transitioning to is like well you have these adults who don't know better. And they obviously didn't do better. So how are they going to be changed now when they're like, you know, 20, 30 years into the game? And I think um, people can change. But I think um, if you kind of remove, I mean, with some crimes or offenses or behaviors, it's um, the, the consequence has to match that, right? The consequence has to match the crime. But I think when it comes to like, you know, insensitive remarks, racist, you know, like just stereotypes that you perpetuate or literally just offensive marks and actions. I think if you separate that behavior from the person and say, hey, this is why it's offensive. This is why we can't say this. Here's another way to go about it. Here's the training. Here's the impact that it has. Here's the historical context why this is important to consider when you're teaching or when you're counseling or whatever the case is. Then I think if people have the opportunity to respond and then if they don't, then I agree with you. I say, remove them, find someone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like diversify the staff, right. Or yeah. incentivize it. Maybe the area is so homogenous that only a certain type of, you know, educators are attracted yeah, to it. Yeah. But I think there's ways to incentivize it with either pay or you get to start this program or whatever the case is. Right.
0: Yeah. For example, like there was a, there was a letter that we read. And um, there was a couple of letters that I read and they were talking about certain teachers, uh, pinpointing them out because they're the black student and this is what they felt i mean obviously this isn't this is facts based on what he or she said yeah and you know it's secondhand exactly you know and he said that you know a teacher called me autistic (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, what the what the fuck? And he was like, yo, like I did well in this class, but whenever I would speak up, I would raise my hand. I never ever got picked once throughout the whole year to when I'm raising my hand to answer, or if I did get something right, there would be a backhanded remark like, oh, you got one right. You know? I guess you're not so autistic after <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, <you laughs> like, what the fuck like, it autism, <laughs> yeah, yeah. stepping up to the plate. Uh, yeah, yeah, you
0: know what I mean? Yeah. It's like these backhanded comments, you know, and so it's it's like you know, where, where does where does that come into play? Like, how does if a student spoke up and said, like, "Hey, this teacher did this, this, and this to me," like, what what happens then?
1: Yeah, I think um, if you start change because change is just so daunting, you know. But if you start small, and they went back to the zero tolerance type of thing or whatever. I mean, I I should stop saying zero tolerance. I have like a personal you know um, opinion about zero tolerance. Yeah. But that's just you know going back to that idea of really not. Tolerating and putting it down on paper and saying, like, okay, teachers, like, we are not going to tolerate this kind of behavior or words in the classroom. And students, we're going to empower you to hold your teachers accountable and to monitor that and report it if it happens. And so we're going to document this. And if we start noticing a, a pattern or a mm-hmm. history of these behaviors, here are like the very clear next steps that's going to happen. You're going to be forced to do training, you're going to have to you know, figure out, be, do better or be let go. And I think um, if you start a process like that, you put it on paper. Um, I think that's one way that change can start mm. and you can start building momentum
2: along with the other things that we talked about. Mm. Oh, so it looks like here, Mr. Johnson has uh, the fifth report that
0: he's being a bitch. I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he,
2: he needs to get some training do, on do, how to not be a bitch.
0: Do, do uh, teachers go through like sensitivity training in terms of like... Um, you know, different cultures and ethnicities, do they do they have a mandatory type of training system for them in place? Um, I'd say, I mean, in, in my experience,
1: which is still pretty narrow, and once again, I'm not an expert, you know, um, I will say that it's not mandatory like sexual harassment training, right? Um, but it, and it varies across districts, across schools, even across, you know, just states or whatever the case is, because um, th- there was this shift in education where it's like, less top-down, like, being directed mm. what to do. Because there's, like, this creative element of teaching yeah. where you have to inspire and you have to turn right. something into your own right. to inspire others. And so they realized telling people what to do wasn't effective. Because, first of all, it's just not going to get done. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes has a converse effect where people being told what to do, they want to do otherwise. And so it's just, <laughs> This motherfucker <yeah>. right here. <laughs>
3: right? Myself included.
1: Provide the training, <laughs> high-quality training. Um, then people can take that and kind of, like, Turn it into something that's their own. But to your original question, is is that training provided like widely? I'd say no.
0: Mm. Mm. I think that's problematic too. I think that's something that should be standardized, right? Because yeah. we talk about this, man. Like, I had no idea. O- obviously, I'm learning all this stuff as we go because of the cr- of current events. But just how many hours cops are trained versus, you know, and they did a comparison to a how mu- how long a barber is trained, and a barber is trained like four times the amount in terms of hours they put in before they have to be allowed to cut people's hair on yeah. their own, yeah. compared to a cop. Yeah. So, like, these are the things that always concern me because I don't know this from from my end. Right. So I just assume for some reason I assume that oh teachers go through sensitivity training because this is stuff that they should know. Right. Because I think that when we leave things up to assumption, yeah. that's when issues, issues come into play. Right. Like I assume this teacher's not going to be racist. So I should let them know or say racial undertones, right? For example, like you shouldn't say stuff like to a to a young black girl. It's like, hey, you know, like, can I touch your hair? <laughs> you know. No. But to to be honest with you, a lot of people don't know that. Like, for example, my fiance. I had to let her know, like when she first met Khalif, she was like, like, oh, can I touch your hair? And I was like, hey, that's a (laughs) (laughs) no-no.
3: She was like, why? She (laughs) she was like,
0: why? And it was very innocent. It wasn't like, nobody nobody was angry. It was just more like I had to let her know. It's like, first of all, it's, it's odd. It's like if somebody came up to you and said, like, Let me run my fingers through your hair. Yeah. It's very odd. For you, it's something different, but because you're the norm, you don't see it that way. Yeah. Exactly, right. So, right. those are the stuff that I feel like should be put into place. Not only, not because like they're so quote unquote racist or racially insensitive on purpose, it's because they don't know. It's ignorance. Yeah. Ignorance. Right. For a culture that they don't understand, they mm-hmm. wouldn't know. Right. It's like mm-hmm. if somebody came into my house and they never met an Asian person and they walked in with their shoes, yeah. I'm not going to sock them in the fucking face. I'll let <laughs> exactly. them know, you know, you're over only here. going to just drop an elbow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll take a- down and not fucking cut off their feet and leave it on the wall that way, you know. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Thrive. If you want high quality, organic, and non GMO foods delivered to your door, Thrive Market is the one for you. You're still going to the grocery store. Why waste your time? I know for a fact that you wander around aimlessly looking for the same stuff that for some reason is always in a different aisle every time you go. I know because that's not you, that's me. <laughs> so get thrive i'm serious look a couple of cool things about being a thrive member you will save 25 to 50 percent off traditional retail prices and their shipping is free on orders over 49 bucks i don't know about you but when i go shopping i definitely spend over 49 dollars every time so i love good deals and food that i can trust and it just makes you know markets very whatever. You could just walk in, get whatever you want. And not only do they have um, food, they have pet staples, cleaning products, and a whole bunch of other beauty products and more just like any other market. So if you haven't done groceries delivered to your door, you are missing out. And Thrive, in my opinion, is one of the best to do it. It's convenient, great deals, and for me, it saves time. Time And that's the most important part for me. Um, Try Thrive Market and become a member risk-free. Go to thrive.com slash brain, join today, and you'll get up to $20 in shopping credit toward your first order. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash brain to start your risk-free membership and get up to $20 toward your first order. That's thrivemarket.com slash brain. I think there's like
1: a, spex, uh, a spectrum or like a gamut too, right? So you say, like, okay, I'm not racist. Um, but, and maybe if someone says, well, I am racist, you know? Yeah. And then so I think there's a lot in between. Yeah. You know, you could have had an, a racist thought, a racist action, mm-hmm. or like an, a racist, whatever um, instinct that came out just because of your experiences. Mm-hmm. And then once you learn to identify it, then it can be like, okay, well, you're a really cool and great person. That behavior of like just touching someone's hair, let's just cut that out of of your behavior. And here's why, and you're still an awesome person. So continue being awesome. I think has a different effect. Yeah. And saying, hey, you're a racist for doing that. So knock it off.
0: Yeah, like yeah, fucking yeah. Racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know? hey, just how about you just not touch the students' hair? Yeah. Huh? Shut up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jared Ewan. Huh? <laughs> Shut up, bitch. <laughs> you <laughs> fucking trash bag. <laughs> <heck.
2: laughs> Uh, oh man speaking about that though so like you know since you started as an educator um and and now you're in a role of a you know assistant principal like when you were teaching and you know you're you're basically in an environment with a lot of minorities right how do you check your own like biases right and and like um how do you also hold yourself accountable from like maybe the things that you're seeing or or, or the interactions that you have like to prevent it from like reinforcing stereotypes, right? Like, what's what's kind of your checks and balances when it comes to that, or was your checks and balances when it came to that?
1: Yeah, I'll say like this is my tenth year in education, and I'm still making the same mistakes that I did as year one. You know, mm-hmm. I still have my biases come out. Mm-hmm. I still make racist comments. You know, or I still make someone feel less than because of the color of their skin or how they look. Mm-hmm. And that this happened as a teacher, as a teacher leader, as an administrator, and I'm sure it's probably going to continue happening and I got to keep chopping away at it. You know, it's never going away. But I think what was really cool was uh, the training that I received in my previous place. um, They purposefully said, hey, this is a problem. We're putting it on paper. We're going to require and schedule these um, trainings from everyone in the district, top to bottom right and and here's what you're going to learn from it and here's the impact that we're hoping to have when it becomes clear like that and you have an entire you know organization that's serving you know 10,000 plus students i think it's like 12,000 now or like 11,000 whatever the case is that has power you know and i think that resonated when it would it would come back into like my immediate family or my threshold my locus of you know influence which was my dinner table then it extended into like my homies you know we'd have conversations and sometimes it didn't end very well but We still had them which would have been different if i never had those trainings and so like we had trainings that were were mandated on or mandatory but it was really cool because it was on like identifying your implicit biases understanding what it means to work with students of color what it works with to to work with people in underprivileged areas what's culturally culturally relevant pedagogy and so that's like probably like what the fuck is he talking about right now but the traditional model of teaching is just a banking model. Like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Let me tell you, memorize it and just repeat it back mm, to me. Mm. Right? But culturally relevant pedagogy is more of like, you are a part of this process. Join me. What do you need to learn? What are you? Like, so you get to know your students. Let's build a community because research, research has shown people learn better and are mo- more motivated when you're, you know, with peers, mm-hmm. when you feel a sense of belonging. Mm. You know, let's bring in more dialogue. Let's value your opinion and let's move away from like rote memorization, like true or false, you know, factual memorized like the 50 states to yeah. be able to draw this map. Yeah. Instead, let's look at like the differences between regions. Let's apply some higher order thinking skills like analysis and mm-hmm. like evaluation. So I think there are things to do um, and like put into like really quality training. That if you get enough people talking about and implementing it. And so this would, this would also translate into the teachers. You're not like left on an island to do this by yourself. Yeah. You work with your peers. You talk about, well, I'm really passionate about this area. I want to improve this. You know, and I think that's where you can make some waves. One of my favorite trainings that I received was around, um, I forget the the creator of it, but it came from this organization that focused around increasing equity and equity mindedness. And so I don't know if you're uh, familiar with that term equity, but it's different from equality. Equity, is, so equal would be fairness means everyone gets the same thing, right? Equity means everyone gets what they need to be successful, even if some people get less or more, right? but it's different from like socialism. It's just understanding that we're we, there are differences, but let's honor those differences as we like move forward. And so what that looked like specifically was there was something called this threat training and it's very like brain based like neuroscience where once a person feels threatened by something they automatically their amygdala like sends out this chemical response and so your brain has this response where it's like okay fight am or I flight gonna, exactly am yeah. I gonna mm. fight am I gonna flight yeah uh, or they, they say um, fight, flight uh, or freeze freeze <laughs> or appease yeah. yeah right and and you can't control it it's or a, a bio- bust a dick out with ease yeah. <laughs>
3: the two is
0: the comeback <laughs> No, and then this man was being all serious. And he, just, he was like, I don't know what don't party. Know
3: the you're right a right
2: Middle school, it's been like this from day one.
3: That's why you're a sociopath. My, my, my,
2: <laughs> brain, my brain goes off on tangents, man. You just hear that beat. You're constantly going to this beat. Uh, uh.
1: Yeah. Uh, continue. I don't even know what the fuck
3: I was talking about. Dude. I gotta, like, I'm trying
1: to think of your uh, Ed 2 songs. No, the no, fuck? So, fire. Yeah. Yeah, it was my favorite. so fight or flight. Oh yeah, my yeah. favorite training was
3: uh, <laughs> like how do you
1: how do you deal with these these social experiences when you feel threatened? And and part of the training was let's just identify them, let's yeah. label them, give them a name, and then give you some coping skills on what to do when these things come about. And some of those it was called the scarf model. So it's like when you feel threatened, what is being threatened during the social interaction? Is it my um, I, I forgot what the acronym means for it. it's like what there's autonomy relatedness fairness oh yeah certainty and status so i kind of went around but yeah status certainty and, and going so forth do i feel like my position in this like social hierarchy is being threatened like you do not see me as an authoritative figure or even when we're among peers i get clowned on you know like my threat is I feel like a bitch right now. You know, <laughs> yeah. I feel Like a pussy. Yeah. You know, or like with with certainty, it's like, oh, I. You know what? What you're saying right now is like really confusing. I don't know what's going on, and that's a threat. You are threatening who I am. <laughs> you know, and like we're no longer like hunters and gatherers. We don't have like like predators hurting us, but we have all these internal battles of like self doubt and like insecurities, right? Mm. And so like autonomy is like don't tell me what to do. Like relatedness, like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like you drink a different Kool-Aid, I don't care about you. We do not see eye to eye, you know. Like fairness, it's like, you know what? That person got to do it, so I can do the same. You know, fuck you because why are you calling me? I'll call him out. Mm-hmm. So these are just, I mean. These aren't like comprehensive, but they're just a way to put labels on things. Yeah. And when I received that training, part of the exercise was like, and this was like over the span of years, right? It wasn't like a one-off training. It was like maybe six or seven different sessions a year that we revisited. But I went back and thought through like, okay, professionally. Where did I lose my cool? Because my 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 amygdala response going back to like my pops, mm. you know, my upraising is I fight, right? Yeah. I get angry and I want to fight back. Um, and during those times, it was always when either my autonomy was questioned or a lot of my relatedness, like I have to connect with people. We have to see eye to eye and don't tell me what the fuck to do. Yeah, But I still want to see eye to eye with you. you <laughs> yeah. know? It's like those kind of things. Mm. And I started noticing a pattern or a trend.
0: And you know it really changed the way I approach things was that was that very necessary specifically working in an inner city school just because inner city schools are fucking rough, dude yeah. like there's a, they're <laughs> fucking rough. And I feel like you know the, how hard is it to balance like an authoritative figure, but not so harsh where they look at you like the enemy mixed in with like, you know, a little bit of that being cool. and ch- You know what I mean? That's so oh, no yeah. fucking
2: hard. Also, also the fact that he stands out just because of his skin color, right? So it's like almost having a double responsibility of you need to be culturally sensitive, but you also need to teach them how to be culturally sensitive the other way around too. It's a two-way street that you need to teach. Yeah, right? 100%. Yeah. I
1: remember going back to like me standing out because I started off my, my, my student teaching at Crenshaw. It's a pretty famous… There's a pretty historic um, inner city school in, like, the heart of L.A., like Crenshaw. And I, I walked in. This is, like, my first week of student teaching, and I didn't bring lunch. Yeah. So I went out, and I went to a fish shop. I love fried fish. Yeah. We we grew up on it because some of our friends used to work at this fried fish shop.
0: It's like and a fish and chip place?
1: Kind,
2: yeah. Kind of like pretty that. Pretty much yeah. just, like, fried catfish. Uh, you know, catfish. Yeah, hush puppies. Delo- hush puppies. Yeah. Hushpuffies. yeah. yeah. Was yeah. It Cre-
1: yeah. Of, of course. I worked yeah. at one of those
0: spots, dude. In yeah. Sacramento.
1: I worked that shit for like the whole summer. Yeah. yeah. The fish stores, uh, hair, liquor store. I mean, like you yeah. know what I mean. It, it. It just fits our profile. But I walked in and, and this one particularly had like a seating area. Literally, everyone kind of just stopped. They they <laughs> they just stopped eating. Like you could almost hear this. <laughs> I walked in, like ding ding. I was like, oh fuck. Did I come into the wrong place? Or yeah. And they didn't stop looking, you know, like normally, like something happens and they'll continue their business, but they stared at me the whole way. And right there, I was like, fuck, I don't belong. But yeah. I need some fish. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I gotta just deal with the
3: discomfort. I love catfish. Yeah.
1: So I went, I ordered, and I asked for like extra hot sauce. And I actually saw some like heads nod. And I was like, okay, that was like an interesting experience, but it always stood out to me because I was such an outsider, but something like some commonality like brought me like some head nods. Mm, yeah. I don't know what that mm. meant exactly. They're probably yeah. just like, this Chinese he knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just <know. laughs>
3: got that hot sauce.
1: But I was always an outsider. And even yeah. in my own school, um, where I spent like nine years, I was the only Korean administrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, let me take that back. And it's like, how many Korean teachers were there? And there weren't many. There weren't even many Asian males. There were a lot more Asian females. Um, it's a predominantly female-driven, you know... Um, field. Field. Yeah. But still, it just brings me to think like, oh, shit, I'm an outsider
2: among outsiders. Yeah. yeah. It just adds another layer, but... Yeah. And and yeah. and that makes it extra difficult because one, not only are you an outsider just because of your ethnicity, but two, because in order for them to start trusting uh, like an authoritative figure, right? I mean, because my guess is... Actually, you've, you've told me about this. I mean, I, I don't know what the actual percentage is, but you said there's a pretty high turnover rate in inner city schools, right? Usually one year, right? And then they, they, they're like, this is too hard. I'm done. I don't want I don't want to be a part of this, right? Yeah. I don't know about the number of years, uh-huh. but
1: it's definitely, the turnover is a lot higher.
2: Yeah, yeah. Per, so let's just yeah. say generally high turnover rate. Yep. So you have some of these kids who might be coming from broken homes who don't really have that um, adult figure that brings them security and like um, teaches them. Uh, And and it's somebody that could depend on and and rely on. Uh, And then you kind of transition into like the school system where the teachers are supposed to be playing that role as facilitators. But then if they're seeing teachers coming in and out all the time, it's like, what the fuck is even the point of me trying to like build a relationship with this person? They're not even going to be here. You know, they're not even going to care enough to stay or or to care about me. So fuck this person and fuck education,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, the the word that really resonates with me is when you bring up care. Mm-hmm. How do I demonstrate care? And then I think there's a precursor to that question is, do I really care? Mm. You know, like, mm. like authentically looking. Right, you have to genuinely like ask yourself. Yeah, do I really honestly. care? Like on what level of care do I have? You know, am I going to donate all the time and money I have? Realistically, probably no. You know, you're going to burn out. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like the expectation that some people see, especially beginning educators when they go into teaching. Like, oh, I can't care enough. I don't have the capacity for it. It's like, okay, well, what level of care can you provide? Okay, let's let's just work on that. I'm not asking you to stay until 7 p.m. you know every night or donate half your paycheck because you see some kids who have less than you. You know, like let's think about what care can you provide. And mm-hmm. I think when you start thinking about it that way, there there's a whole slew of things where you could demonstrate care. You know, I think it. And then what you're saying is, how do you become effective in the classroom? And countless. You know, just never-ending research always says doesn't matter how much you know
2: until they know how much you care, right? It's just mm. like
1: you that's have true. to build
2: relationships. Right, right, right. I mean, that's the most important thing. You have to develop that human-to-human relationship yeah. first. But when you have so many barriers in between that to overcome, it almost sounds like kind of never-ending in your beginning journey to kind of chip away at that. And it sounds like the turnover rate is so high because they just burn out from trying to chip away at that. Yeah. And it's like <clears throat> there's no point to this. My heart might have been in the right place, but ultimately- Because it like, seems
0: very hard because I don't know what that answer to that solution is, right? Because I think like because of the whole, you know, a lot of people are starting to think about this now because of the whole Black Lives Matter movement, right? Yeah. So a lot of these inner city schools does have a huge like black population, Latino and even Asian population, mm-hmm. right? And so with with in these specific areas, it's like- It's it's hard for me to see how do you get this to be important to them and not even so much to the students. I think it's more to the parents, right? Especially because like on a, when you're fucking poor, and this is what people have to realize too, when you're fucking poor, there's so many things you have to worry about, right? Especially when it comes to like raising your kids. Most of the times is, does this kid have food? Does this kid have electricity and a roof over their head? So when it comes to that education process, that becomes like list, like number 10 out of the whole list, right? Right. And I think that's the part where I'm trying to figure out, you know, especially from like an educator's perspective, it's like how – where's that solution, right? Like yeah. how, do you, how do you take them from that and say, hey, like where can we alleviate something for them along this process that allows them to put education first? Yeah. What they do with their education is completely up to them because even for me, when we were poor, right, but my parents made it an important – a part of my life to to stress education, even if they didn't know how to get it done, right? I didn't know anything about- Get your ass it. beat. That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they would fuck me up, you know? Yeah. Scholarship. The Korean way. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. I think I got very lucky in the sense of, number one, like, I just I hung around, you know, nicer kids in high school later on and they were a lot more geeky and dweeby which kind of, you know, fuck with like it made more sense for me. Mm. And so and then I just happened to like reading books a lot. So that helped me out. But when it came to, you know, grades, oh, I was trash. You know, it was like I had a 2.6 GPA. It was barely I barely got into UCR and UCR was just accepting everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't give a fuck what you were, you know. <laughs> like I got to accept this letter to uh, UC Merced. I didn't uh-huh. apply. <laughs> Bro, you. Uh, when, you graduate? I graduated oh five. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't that's not, like when they first opened. That's the first year they yeah, opened. Yeah. They're like, You got in. I was like, to where? And I had to look up <laughs> what UC Merced, Merced was. What the fuck is Merced? And then Sacramento State University, they were like, You got in. I was uh-huh. like, I didn't apply. I was <laughs> like, what the fuck are these people talking about? <laughs> yeah. But I ended up going to Riverside anyways, which was a terrible school at the time, mm, yeah. you know.
1: I think, uh, once again, like uh, I, I want to add the disclaimer: I'm not the expert. I'm yeah. not as like well versed. Um, and so what I what I see or what I what I, what I want to bring up is just like things that I happen to scratch the surface level on or have uh, you know just experienced a little bit. But I think when you bring up like, how do you solve that, right? And I think it it becomes less of a well, this student doesn't care. And one of my triggers is they don't care enough. Like, no, that's bullshit because it's your job as an educator to design an experience or an environment where they will start to care. You know, yeah. like one of those, like if you build it, they will come. I said, well, I can't get in contact with the parents. The parents don't care. It's like, that's bullshit too, right? Because then you could design an environment or experience where parents can have, like you were saying, especially in low-income areas, the capacity to care. And so I think uh, there something that I, I started learning about like Maslow's hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like you can't, care about your social or like emotional health and if you can't eat, if you don't have shelter. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's where the systemic oppression, the institutionalized oppression comes in because you have these marginalized communities with low access to healthcare, to you know, to to quality foods. There's like food deserts. Like yo, where I was working is like I tried like I, I forgot I, I, I didn't grocery shop. So I was trying to just go to a grocery store to pick up something, and I, I went to the produce section and it was just around the block, you know. Um I went to the produce section and like, half the foods, the fruits were rotten. I was <laughs> oh, like, what the shit. fuck is this? Like, are they transitioning? and they going to something new? Yeah. And then I found out. I was like, oh, we, we just get, like, last dibs. We kind of get the bottom of the barrel because the, yeah. the stereotype yeah. is that people in the hood, they don't eat vegetables. That's fucking crazy. And you know what? And I, so the next day, I went into my classroom. I was like, what would you guys have for dinner? What would you guys have for dinner? Burger King or I had fried, you know, veggies or whatnot. I was like, did anyone have a salad? Yeah, so, no one was like, like What the
0: fuck
1: is <laughs> <a> salad? <laughs>
3: like, no one said that. But, you <laughs> know, like, that's what I was thinking. Though. I was like, yeah.
1: oh, shit they're going to respond with this. Yeah. But it was like, Oh, salad's gross. What does it have like ranch? You know, so that kind of thing where like the, fast food's cheap, right? I mean, it's cheaper or it's, it's, it's faster. Easier. Yeah, you know, easier. People don't have, like access to high quality, you know, paying jobs. Yeah. Or they don't have access to not only like, Healthcare, like physical healthcare, but mental, you know, social healthcare. And so I think if you start building those infrastructures, like what Minneapolis is like proposing to do, Mm. in theory, I feel like we'll see some results in like five years where it's like, okay, we're going to see decreased crime yeah, because people won't have to. They're they're happy. You know, they're thriving. We're going to see an increase of diversity in the workplace. I mean, this is just ideal, but it also depends on how it's going to be implemented or executed
0: or like you were saying, like how people are going to actually – be willing to change. Yeah. How how do how do schools get funding? Because I what I heard was that schools are funded by whatever the, the the houses around it. Standardized testing too, right? That that you guys gotta hit your marks.
1: Yeah. So it's it's a complicated, really antiquated um like formula that needs reform, but property tax is one of them. It's, yeah it's the the majority of um funding comes from property tax. So it's localized. And then there's there's federal funds. There used to be like all these different categories, like if a student was special education or an English learner or whatever, their income was this. There was all these different categories, but it really got um, – those categories shrank, but that's part of it. So federal funding provides money as long as it's used for that population,
0: Mm. and then a lot of it is property tax and then more. Cause after- that's a scary thing, right? It's because, I mean, how do you break out of that? These are low income areas right. and if they're getting it from the property tax, yeah. how do you better these schools? How do you give them the tools? You know, this is why I, I see it's it's just so fucked up to me, right? Cause you know, uh, I used to live in South pass, right? And I remember I walked onto this, high, the, the South pass high school, they have this track. I was like, it's a nice community college. And they're like, this is a high school. I was like, what the fuck is this a high school this is not a high school right like no this is the high school and that's when people told me it was like oh it's the property tax around the area that pays for this school and that's why a lot of people they pay other people to use their address just to get their kids into this specific public high school and i was like damn this is this is such a weird thing right yeah because i don't see a solution for that it's like well how do we get more funding into these schools for kids who have a thirst for knowledge who do want to better themselves right do they also have to pay somebody to get their kids into this other school you know and and it's just such an odd thing for me to see because I, I had no idea that's how it worked. And then I found out in the South Pass, like there's like an extra tax that these homeowners have that they put more into the school. Yeah,
2: know? so it's like what we were talking about um, with uh, Nikhil on on the last podcast was like, it it's it's like so many things that's all interconnected. And and, and really, I guess like the most general thing you can look at is the disparity in wealth, right? Yeah. It's just there's, there's such a huge gap. And so like people in low-income areas they get priced out of everything. They get priced out of education. They get priced out of the justice system. Right. Like there's so many things and factors against them for them to thrive and actually be um, you know, like a contributing member of society in a healthy and like a growth growing way. But yeah, it's it's money at the end of the day, right? That that's like really the, the core of a lot of these problems. Yeah. Because covert racism where it's like out in the open and it's individualized,
1: like. I call this person. I bring that mic a little closer to you. Yeah, yeah, I call this person, you know, a racist name, a derogatory term. That's covert. That's right. individualized. That gets called out. You know, on this day of social media, like, good luck getting away with that. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck. But oh, a covert. Sorry, I meant overt racism. Yeah, overt. That's overt, yeah. overt yeah. But covert institutional racism. That's really at the systems level. It's still happening. You know, and I'm still learning about this too. But that, like, that documentary 13th really brought up. There was like actual campaign strategies that was brought up during, I forget which presidential campaign. It's like, we can't call them this anymore, but here's what we'll do to still keep them down. And yeah. I think part of that is like like redlining. I don't know if you guys are. Oh, yeah. Where well, they redline neighborhoods. So this is where you stay. Yeah, yeah. And like loans weren't given out to, you know, uh, people of color or like, hey, despite your income level, you're not going to live here. Right. Or people who try to purchase homes, they put down an offer. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's look at this name. Let's meet in person. Uh, sorry, buddy. Like you're not coming here. So I think like things like that can be addressed. The hard
0: part about all that stuff though is that no matter how many times these these facts are brought up, people think it's opinion. They go, Oh well, like for example, one of the I I saw a video where they were kind of debunking what this other video was saying when it was trying to explain what systemic racism was, right? And you know, one of the one of the facts that he brought up, he goes, "Well, redlining is illegal." It's like that's cool. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, jackass. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that it's still not happening. Exactly. (laughs) This is that's what, and it's so hard to convince these people, right? The fact that he can make a point for point basis to to debunk systemic racism, and his only argument is like it's not supposed to happen. Whether it's not supposed to happen doesn't change the fact that it fucking did and it still does yeah it's, it's just it's so hard it, that's why like when we when we have these blm movements right i'm hearing a lot of the stuff they go racism doesn't exist anymore they don't believe it's there because it's right. not
2: their reality it's that's, not that's re- the problem yeah. and and the thing is they're they're so insulated in their beliefs and in their worldviews that they're not ever Making an effort to brand because they don't need to. Yeah, they're, they're they're comfortable where they're at, so that develops a, a, like a sense of complacency too. It's yeah, like, I mean, I have no problems, and I don't see why
0: these problems would exist for anybody else because I don't. That's not my reality. That's not my issue. It's so weird that they can't. I mean, I'll break it down like this: It's like you can't see that you have like an implicit bias when it comes to some like somebody's like color of the color of their skin when this is what you were taught to see where you were, I had KFC I had food poisoning once and I'm like fuck KFC <laughs> you <laughs> know what I mean like fuck KFC for yeah, the rest of my fucking yeah, life right yeah. I could do that with fried chicken you could do that with a person too easy right yeah. if you had this negative construct of what these people are fed to you your whole life you are gonna see it that way yeah and it's like I'm trying to figure. Obviously, my my approach to changing somebody is to embarrass the fuck out of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, roast their to has. roast the fucking living shit out of them. It's what if works for me. Yeah, you yeah. know. And I understand some people are like, I don't agree with you. And I'm like, cool. You don't have to agree with my methodology. You exactly. could do it your way. And I completely agree that you should do it with a kinder heart, just like a Jesus Christ is saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <just> a... <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, if, love if, if Jesus Christ, to <laughs> you should do that. I want to do that too, right? But oh, yeah. I try to pretend like a majority of my life, I'm tired of it now. Yeah. So I'm going to do it my fucking way. Because it's hard to kind of tell somebody something that they just refuse to see or believe, right? Yeah. So something very simple too. Like when, what's it, uh, what's it, uh, what's it called? The... Segregation. When did that end? What, 1960? What Well, the Civil Rights Act happened, what, in yeah. 1965 or something or so? It wasn't yeah. even that long ago. Yeah, it wasn't. That means like – if it's like in, what, in the mid-1960s, right? That means you would be like in what, mid-50s? And then you would still understand what – they were born during time of segregation, right? right. And the yeah. people, this is how people equate it. They go, well – During that time, it stopped. I was like, when has there ever been a fucking law that wasn't stated? And everybody followed that rule. Like every person that believed that segregation was okay, the law was enacted. And they go, you know what? You're right. I'm done with this. And they move on. We had covid they said, "Hey, put on a mask, everybody, and you have to shut your business down." People still opened up their businesses, right? They didn't walk around with masks. They didn't social distance. So, if it works with something like that, what made you think that was that easy for people who had like these deep dark, this deep dark hatred towards a specific yeah. group
2: of people for it yeah. to
0: disappear overnight? Yeah, it doesn't such work.
2: Deep rooted issue, you know? Yeah. The,
1: I, what you're bringing up kind of makes me think about the most frustrating defense that I've come across, like in conversations. And this is with like my loved brothers, you know, even like family members. Is hey, you know what? Like, I appreciate where you're coming from. Let's, I, I just agree to disagree. Like, we can do that, right? You got to respect my opinion, and we will we'll agree to disagree here. I remember, I saw something online. I was like, that's cool, you know. When you agree to disagree that ketchup is better for fries, <laughs> yeah. you
0: know, or barbecue sauce, but this is a motherfucking like
1: moral issue. Yeah, you, know, you can't just slide this under yeah, the rug. For and sure. Let's agree to disagree that I think these people are oppressed. And I think that they're not. Yeah, that's problematic. Or, Let's talk or, about or, it. or
2: even worse, that they deserve to be oppressed. True, you know. Or, or, I mean, so yeah, that's like the most frustrating thing is that you can't, you can't take a, a soft pass on something like this, like it, like you said, because it, it's a moral issue, yeah. right? It's it's a human rights issue, and so like for me, my thing always is. Whatever whatever issue it is that we're talking about, let's always start from a human being standpoint. Let's mm. first start it, look at it as a human being. No skin color, no background. Let's start as, and then from there, we can, we can progress the conversation. Yeah. But let's start at a human point because if you really are not a racist, then you'll have no problem treating it objectively that this person is a human, this person is a human, this is what happened. Let me look at it from that lens first, objectively, and then we'll get into the details, right? Yeah. I think it's even harder
1: when it's like you know people you 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 they're in your tribe right they're they're your peoples they're your family or your your brothers or your sisters yeah and your your closest homies and you it's hard to have these conversations because at the end of the day it's like okay i prioritize our friendship you know we we spent 20 plus years building this i'm not trying to throw this out the window and i can't say you know what your moral compass is just pointing it your true north doesn't align with mine so like deuces like I'm not going to have anything to do with you and I can't change your opinion. Mm-hmm. So farewell. You know, it's more of like, okay, that agreed to disagree is it's all right, fine. Let's do it for the sake of the friendship. And I still love hanging out with you. But when can we have these conversations? And that's something that I've been grappling with.
2: Yeah. I, I talked to um, actually John Ho about it recently. Yeah, You know, that I was telling him the same thing that, you know. Who's John Ho? Uh, he's a music producer friend. But yeah. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> I was just, you know, we were just talking about what was going on and I was telling them like, there's people I know who have drastically different views on, on the subject than I do, yep. you know? And uh, if I were to have conversations with these people, it's going to hit a stonewall really fast, really quickly. But I try to maintain the friendship to, like you said, uh, for opportunities to progress on that front, right? To, to try to chip away on that front. But then his response was like, bro, at this point in my life, those people I just cut out. Like, I don't even have the time or energy for it. Because he's a new dad too, right? Yeah. Um, Shout out to him, man. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah, so it's like, it's more of like... Finding what's worth investing into and then what's not, right? And and like you said, you're grappling with that now.
0: Yeah, I don't grapple with shit. <laughs> <laughs> grapple with them. <laughs> yeah. I have a straightforward conversation. Like it's mm-hmm. it's pretty much. Well, I mean, I've been like that since I was super younger, so it's hard not to. But uh, it is difficult, though, right? It's difficult to because it's uncomfortable, like that. It's like why even address it if if it's going to make our friendship weird? But, but it can my, get there though, like without that even being the intention. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, for me, it's yeah. like. I just know how I am and everything comes out of my face. Mm. So if I disagree, it's already there in my face anyways. Yeah. So I might, might as well just say it, right? Yeah. There's like something even really small. Like if I don't like somebody, like one time, I, I'm not sure if you were there, but there's somebody that we kind of know in between that I specifically fucking hate this guy's guts. Okay. Like I fucking hate him with everything that I have. <laughs> like in, to like the, the very deepest part of my ball sack. I fucking hate this I like guy. I
1: feel like your energy is yeah. like, wow, wow, wow. You're like, right? you're Asian,
0: like deep And then it's our, it's our buddy. Like he came, to, he came, um, Uh, to LA. And then we always go to a certain spot to drink. And so he's coming over and he was like, yo, this guy's going to come. And I'm like, you know, I fucking hate him, right? He was like, yo, (laughs) he's dying laughing. He goes, yo, just try to be nice to him as possible. And the moment he comes in, he hugs me. And I'm like, you know I don't fucking like you, right? <laughs> and so as we're sitting down there, I'm sit- looking across from him. I'm just staring at him. Yeah. And then our, bu- our buddy is like hitting me. He's like, hey, stop looking at him. I was like, I'll stop looking when he gets the fuck up and goes to the other table. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he literally gets up and goes to the other table. because like I that? dislike that guy so fucking oh, much. Man. He's a fucking leech. And I hope you fucking die.
3: But <laughs> know who you are. You, you, are. Know who the, you know who the fuck you, you are. leechy, leechy. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, you know, like, for example, I had a friend too. Like, he's... I say he's like a little – not even as a joke. He's kind of like on the spectrum a little bit, just enough where he's like a functioning human in society. (laughs) But it kind of works towards his case because he's very emotionless, like so he can work very well, right? But he'll say stuff like in jokes to create shock value. So if it's Mm. counterculture to say it, he'll say it because he thinks it's funny as a joke. Mm. But he doesn't have the intent to be racist or be hurtful in anything else that he does like for example he after his wife had a had a child uh this was like this was like six seven years ago Mm -hmm. he had his wife had a child and he comes up and, and uh his wife tells me that uh he called her fat and i was like okay bro you know and so i had a conversation with them just because i know him and i was like hey so I did you call your wife fat. Why'd you do that? Right? He was like, Well, we had a talk where we said we're going to be open and honest with each other. <laughs> you know, I'm so like, do you know, you're fat. I was like, Well, hey, guy, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? and I was like, You can't do that. Yeah. He was like, Well, you know, we want to keep ourselves like really open and honest. It's like, Well, I think that you say stupid shit all the time. Do you see me go out here and call you stupid every fucking day? Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. come on, man. Like, you should know better. I was like, There are things that you can and can't say and things that are appropriate. She just had a child. Move on from it. Those are uncomfortable situations. Like, yeah. I don't want to have to have that conversation with yeah. him but you know when it when it fucks with like some of my moral foundations as a human being i think it, it actually helps the friendship in the long run mm-hmm. he also was somebody that made like a, a fried chicken joke recently right and he was like well if i if i go out here and I make a fried chicken joke you think black people would be mad and it was dead silent and i was like that's not funny <laughs> right like, oh why and i was like look at the times i was like also fried chicken jokes yeah. everybody loves fried chicken it's a really yeah. old racist joke don't do it he goes yeah. cool got it but, you know, mm. he gets a pass because he's a little on the spectrum, you
2: know? Well, but huh? the thing is, if he's willing to acknowledge that or or, or, or at least um, try to meet halfway of, like, trying to understand, oh, there's a possibility that I may be wrong here, mm-hmm. right? And I'll, I'm willing to explore that uh, also for the sake of the friendship, you yeah. know? But with some of these people, it they're seems like, to, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're kind of uh, drawing a hard line. You're just pushing your line further and further in the sand, yeah. yeah. And 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 you know what? What basically the point John was making was that I ain't got time for that shit no more. Yeah. You know, like Sorry. history or not, friendship be damned. Like if if our views on on these core issues are are, are so drastic from uh, you know one another, then I I really have no point of maintaining a relationship with you. Yeah. And. It's so it's tricky, man. It's really tricky because, like, some of these people, like you know that they're not inherently bad people. Like their intention is, I'm gonna be a fucking racist, hate a group of people, you do whatever I can to like you know make things harder. It's just certain. It, a lot of it has to do with political, uh, uh, political agenda, yeah, political yeah, yeah, affiliation. Yeah. And, and, and those views really stem from that. I mean, I think that's like the biggest disparity right now when it comes to the Black Lives Matter, right? You're either um, extreme right or you're extreme left. It seems like there's no in-between right now. You're being accused of one or the other by the, by the other side. You yeah. know? If you're taking a more uh, compassionate uh, standpoint, you're being accused of being on the extreme left, yeah. right? If you're taking a more, um, well, I don't really see that as a problem, You're accused of being on the extreme right. So it's like, again, going back to the human being element. It's like, why the fuck does it have to automatically be a political affiliation or a political thing if I have a certain view on it, you know? What if I don't identify with a party? And this is how I feel about it anyway because this motherfucking person is a person, is a human being, not about fucking politics, man, about life and death, about police brutality, about injustice, like, that's what we're fucking talking about. But constantly and constantly politics get injected into it over and over again. And that's like the point where or that's the thing that's really fucking irritating me is that I want to be able to have these conversations without the politics, because that's not where I'm coming from. I'm not coming from a standpoint of politics. You know, I'm like I said, I'm coming from a standpoint. Of, let's talk about human beings and injustices that exist and what we can do to make it better. Not just for them, but for yeah. everybody.
0: I mean, I think it's hard to find human beings who are really open for change, right? Uh, I'm I'm like that too. Like when it comes to s- specific things, mm-hmm. and sometimes I just don't want to hear shit, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when I was, dude, I was the fattest fucking person ever, right? And I didn't want to hear that shit. My dad, every time I went back to Sacramento, my dad would look at me and he goes, "You've gotten really fat." I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, man fuck you're fat (laughs) you're you're fat you (laughs) know clearly he's not fat i'm a fat one but you know i don't want to hear that shit even though he's like listen i'm worried about your health and i'm like dude athlete you know i'm like i'm in the not and we're having arguments about stuff that's factually there for me. Like facts. I was really fat. He, he would hear me breathe. He's like, dude, like we haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> like we're <laughs> breathing so fucking hard. He developed asthma. Yeah. Like we're just eating like, you know, like we're just having like toniuk, you know, we're just yeah. eating dinner. And my dad's just like, are you breathing so hard? And I'm like getting angry. Uh. I'm like, you're breathing hard. <laughs> I'm breathing hard yelling at him, you know, but you know, like I understand like sometimes we don't want to see the, 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 the flaw in ourselves, right? Because I think it makes us question everything that we did in the past. And it's a scary thought. It's like, well, I learned this the most when it come, when it came to relationships with my fiance. She would pick things at me that I didn't like about myself that I knew was wrong. Mm. But saying it out loud and admitting it to her, I, I mean, would rather fucking die. Yeah. <laughs>
3: you know, I would rather
0: fucking die. Not yeah. the toilet seat thing. I, I'm still fighting about that. But like, like small things like, for example, um, when we would get angry, I would – that we don't. I mean, this has been years since this happened, but she made a rule of, hey, no matter how angry I made made you, and mm-hmm. even though I'm wrong and I'm egging you on, don't you? don't break shit, no, don't right? break oh, shit. Because that's what happened in my breaking life. Breaking his own phone like
3: three times. I've, I have you uh, that shit.
0: I, well, not even tossed. I was smashing it in my fucking head. <laughs> what the fuck? So we would like when we were first together. I think I I think in the first two years we were together, I broke four phones because <laughs> there was nothing I could. It was she would always do it when there's a phone in my hand. I would snap that shit in half. And I think I probably used thousands of dollars just on yeah. phones because of her. But you know, one of the things that we developed was like I learned that this was a bad habit that I had because I saw my parents fight a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen my mom throw shit at my dad. I see my dad just chuck shit, break doors, punch walls. And so whenever I would get angry, lo and behold, that's how I would solve my anger issues. Mm-hmm. Right. So I haven't done that in like four years or years now. But like the last thing that I threw was this um. <laughs> It was a puff jacket, and that shit was the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> just, like, because I had – I remember – I because we made the rule, like, don't – so the last thing I broke was this little cream jar of of her, of her makeup, uh-huh. and I didn't even chuck it. I just went, like – I threw it on the floor, and yeah. it shattered, uh-huh. and I think it shattered in a very – more aggressively than how I threw it, so I didn't think it was an issue, but she starts bawling. She goes, I told you I don't like violence, and I was like, I didn't even throw it. Like, I just – just dropped it on the floor, but I was like, Oh, she Slip. doesn't like that type of stuff. Yeah. Cause her dad used to throw shit yeah. a lot. Oh. So it's traumatic for her. Mm-hmm. So we this was like a year ago, year or two ago. I, I knew that I don't throw things anymore, but she got me so fucking mad. And you know, she was at fault. She even missed this. But I just crumped I had a I had this little puff jacket, right? I was like, I just crumpled it and I threw it and just opened up like a parachute. It was the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life. And then she starts laughing and cracking up. So I've learned, like, and, you know, I've learned to... It's hard. It was hard for me to say, hey... She goes, well, don't break things. I think it's very violent. If we have kids, I don't want our kids to think about Mm -hmm. that shit. And my initial reaction is like, well, you pissed me off. What else am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. But that's not the proper thing to say. So, you know, I think, too, when we come from these places, it's, it's not like I'm saying this to chastise you, right? Mm -hmm. Because I see these flaws in myself first before I see it in somebody else. I think that's where it comes from. It's like, I'm not saying like, hey, recognize your faults and then be able to have these open conversations because it's easy. I'm saying it's difficult. I know the most, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I think... Change is complicated, you know, and it's complex and it's never a long journey. Yeah. It's never linear either. Like you progress,
1: progress. No, like sometimes you're just going backwards. Like, no, we're changing. Right. Yeah. For the worst, but it's going to get better. You know, sometimes it's like that. But I think um, what you're bringing up is like, there has to be that love component and like patience. And it's like your fiance. I don't know how long you guys were dating for, but, and I'm imagining that it took you know like some time for for you to progress oh
0: um, for he knows all the stuff he, he's, <laughs> he's like why are you with us I, I don't fucking know yeah and i fucking love her dude <laughs> how many years were you guys dating or huh? uh, we're we are now going on almost six years yeah once it hits august we will be six years damn really? that's a long time i yeah. don't know holy shit you know, like crazy formative years. years like in our beginning adulthood like
1: mid-20s to transitioning into our 30s you know that's that's Pretty intense. Yeah, she's
0: been around for a very long time. And I think that that was like the probably the biggest lesson in learning how to change. Like having somebody there that you can't well, I can't get rid of her, but like I won't get rid of. Yeah. And you know, recognizing your personal flaws is it's hard. It's so fucking difficult. It's hard to say, I'm sorry. It's hard to say you're right, especially yeah. when you hate their fucking guts in the moment, right? There's, like, times where I look at them I'm like, I actually hate you. Like, I yeah. fucking hate you. But because I'm wrong, I say I'm sorry. Yeah. And, like, I, I used to do this thing back in there where I mentioned the podcast, like, where I know I fuck up hella bad. And I just kind of look at the floor. <laughs> like, I don't, say, I don't say anything. She goes, Look at me. And I look like at that guilty dog. <laughs> I'm just like, She goes, No, look at me. And I'm like, No, I'm good. <laughs> like, looking for a quarter on the floor. <laughs> you know? Dumb. Yeah, but yeah, I think those uncomfortable con- conversations are something that we need to have, you know, especially like in school. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. No, I mean, is that hard sure. for you? Like, if you, do, in your position, do you have to reprimand like teachers if they, if, well, not only say reprimand, but have a conversation with them? Yeah in school by the way you know what I just realized is
1: you guys aren't sitting or leaning back on this uh, pillow is that <laughs> intentionally <or?
2: laughs>
3: just, just like, <laughs> look at my wait, look at the angle of my body. Just
2: like 45 degree angle the like, fuck man
0: you can it's remove like it most, right? I'm like
3: I <laughs> like talking straight
0: like we we got I got this chair because it looked really cool yeah and then oh, just, oh my like, god <laughs> And then I figured I was way more comfortable without the actual cushion. Yeah, here. without
2: the cushion, it's
1: easier to... Yeah, yeah, thanks for
0: the tip,
2: dude.
1: I was literally like, pr- like consistently sliding yeah. like this. I was like, why is he sitting
0: up so proper? It must, it must be the assistant principal in yeah. him, dude.
1: No, but um, oh, adults. Yeah, like seriously, in schools and education, the kids aren't the problem. Mm. It's the adults, and it's not the parent. It's not outside factors as so much as in in you know internal factors. And I think. Um, like going through administrative consequences for teachers and staff is my least favorite, you know, portion of that job. And it sucks because you are like, we're supposed to be on the same team. And this is someone who like reports to me or I'm like their direct supervisor. And, Now, all the 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 trainings and tools that I use in the classroom, I still employ with teachers, you know, because it's still the same field and it's still relevant. Right. So I'm prioritizing like relationships and trainings and being like their biggest cheerleaders and advocates. But when I have to like reprimand someone or write them up or take it up to like, you know, a couple different levels or like request a transfer or even a dismissal, you know, it's it's just it kills my soul as an educator. Like I lose hope literally. And like I failed this one educator. We couldn't prevent this from happening. Um, but Um, and, and I'm often seen as, I'm already the bad guy, right? Yeah. More so than the, the principal because the principal, all the shitty things that they don't want to do, they, they assign to the <laughs> vice <laughs> principal.
3: Yeah. Like, you deal yo,
1: with that
2: shit, John. John, there's like
1: this really irate parent right now. And before I was like, okay, cool. Like, so what are you going to do? Like, can I learn from it? He's like, no, you're going to step in there. Just let me know how it goes. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So that's how it works. But, you know, it, it, it sucks because... Part of it is like, you know, with kids, they, they're saving grace is always like, well, they're young, they don't know, you know, they can learn, they can get better. But when you do it with like a 60 year old person or like 57 couple years away from retirement individual, it's like, mm-hmm. damn, you know, yeah. like, there's not much I can do to, you know, change this. They around. don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm like, just thinking about 30 years of what you were doing with all these different groups of kids. It's it's really heavy. And it's not something that I that I enjoy, but it's necessary.
0: It must be really awkward, like if you're you as a like a young 30s talking to the 60 year old man is like, let me talk to you about your behaviors. And it's like, What the fuck? How man, fucking dare you? Bro. Man.
1: So like the, the charter world tends to have younger educators. And yeah. so I think um, I don't know if you asked or you asked like, how did you get into the charter world? It's yeah. because I graduated from the teaching program right when the recession hit. So budget. But the education. worst time. <laughs> it's the worst time. You know, yeah. like automatically, like twenty, thirty percent of the job sectors just disappeared. They vanished or anything. It may not have been that much, but even the positions that they posted, they were just being flown for internal candidates to like move them around. No one was going to get hired. But there are a lot of these charter schools in really like tough areas where they were hiring. So that was my start. And I specifically joined a program that focused on urban ed. And so it was like a seamless transition. But there were cats coming from like the OC it's like, I did not sign up for this shit. Oh, like, man, I they probably the got treatment. eaten up. Yeah. And i and like, I had the same treatment, but it was like, at least I had at least a year of understanding or just learning. This is what you're going to expect. Whereas they thought it was like, oh my God, they're going to love me. I love school. That's why I became a teacher. You they know, don't like, give a like, fuck about you. They yeah, don't man. give a fuck.
0: Yeah. yeah. What's, what's like something that, like a student has done to you before? Like when you first started? Man,
1: I mean the <laughs>
0: like which story? <laughs> I don't
1: know. The like, list is how much endless. How
0: time you got, buddy.
1: <laughs> The List is fucking endless, man. I mean, there are things that the Jackie Chan one. Uh,
3: that,
1: <laughs> yeah, that one was the first like act of defiance or someone who pushed back. Where I was like, okay, this is pretty funny. Like, okay. you know, <laughs> right? but this is what I should expect, you know. Until I can get better, yeah. And for me, I'm very performance based. Where it's like. Um, I want to keep getting better. I got to outdo my last performance. Um, but it was it was in class and this kid was just cutting up and she was just, she had so many opportunities and I'm, I'm sure my, the, the class was chaotic, but she was part, like just the most chaotic. And so I don't know if I did this intentionally or not, but I was like, all right, you're fucking out because you seem like the leader. So I got to make an example, you know, and then everyone else is going to fall in line. And I don't know if that's what I really thought in that split second, but looking back on it, I think that's what I did, and I said, "All right, that's it." Like, you know, student, you, you had chances. We did this. You need to go. You, you need to get out of class. Yeah. And just like I ain't moving. Like I'm, I ain't going nowhere. Like I don't give a shit. So I was like, I don't think you heard me, right? So I, me thinking like I'm a thug. Yeah. Turned around. I, was like, I don't think you heard me. Like you need to get the F or whatever I said. Like out of class. And she said, "All right." Da, 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 da. And I started walking away, thinking like, "Okay, I gotta like say face or yeah. I gotta, like." Send an email to the principal because I might be asked out for my behavior. Yeah, But she said something. It's like, Jackie Chan. I was like, I turned around and was like, did you say something? What did you say? I said, Jackie Chan, motherfucker. The <laughs> rest of like that class, I was just known as Mr. Jackie Chan. And there's <laughs> nothing I could do that I can escape from. And it consistently reminded me of that incident where I failed to act properly to de-escalate. Yeah. You know, to figure out like why was she distracted, all that thing. And maybe she needed a break. Maybe she should have. You know, gone down to the principal's office. But when she came back, the opportunity to rebuild that... Was gone. It was gone. It has gone because of the way I acted, you know. And some oh. people will say like, no, but you're taking too much ownership. You know, she can't victimize her. She shouldn't have been doing that. You're absolutely right. But if I start thinking along those lines, what
2: am I going to actually change? I mean, and there, there's standards, right? You as an adult and as an educator, you have to show restraint, right? You can't get baited into like an emotional response especially when you're kind of aware of what the situation is going to be
1: yeah but the funny thing is too is like we're humans you know, we're educators. Yeah. of course and of we, course we we not robots be able to make yeah. mistakes. yeah yeah make, I never I never restored that with her and she was cool so at the end I mean at the end of the year we we didn't get along you know but we like saw eye to eye and mm-hmm. we tolerated each other but after my training I realized and this happened after I started receiving receiving some of those trainings that I alluded to was I did something similar to another student a female student in fact. And then, like, after that, I realized, like, female pushback is a trigger for me, especially when they, like, you know, get real, like, loud or they just, like, because I felt, you know, some of my things were being threatened. But then with her, you know, I I didn't cuss at her or anything, but I raised my voice. I got really close to her, and then I intimidated her, like, is there something you want to add? And that's what I thought. Yeah, that's right. And, like, walked away or something like that. But, like, everyone sees that. Mm, You know, like, the class was quiet. I had enough, like, capital, cultural and social capital where, you know, they were able to respond. No one, like, treated me differently. But, you know, I felt like shit afterwards. And so I went to her privately the next day. I pulled her out of, like, a different class. I was like, hey, that was totally disrespectful. Like, I can't believe I did that. And whether you forgive me or not, I'm just going to, like, commit to never doing that to you ever again in person. And nobody should ever do that to you. Yeah. And I said, with your permission, can I apologize to you in front of the whole class? And she was like, that's a little weird. <laughs> it's like, you're just going to put me on blast. So, no. yeah, but yeah. I I got you, you know, Mr. Kwon, like, we're cool. And then, but later on, she came back and said, you know, I talked to my parents and said, like, is that the first time an adult apologized to you? I was like, yeah, it was. was like, we'll have them do it in person and see if he really means it. Yeah. She didn't tell me that in person, but, but she came back and said, you know what? I actually would like it in person. So I did. And I told everyone, and we had like honest conversations And people are like, yo, like Mr. Quan, are you serious? Like no one ever apologized to it. We're just kids. Yeah. But that kind of like, and that became my favorite class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the rest of the year, you know, mm-hmm. doing things like that like really humanizes mistakes. Yeah, for sure,
0: for sure. And it's holding yourself accountable. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that saying that. That must have been so fucking hard because I'm because I wanted to be a teacher. I would have, I'd be roasting these kids <laughs> yeah, all I've been doing. I was like, damn, this motherfucker hurt my feelings every day. <laughs> yeah. And like 50 percent of the time, that's what I was doing. That's how I build rapport with them,
1: yeah. and they would roast me back, and I'm like, damn, that was funny. Let me write that down. Yeah. I got to tell it to my friends you know that kind of thing there's different ways to build relationships but um yeah when you when you ask like what are some things that you have seen uh there are things that have been disruptive you know things that have just appalled me or things that have just broke my heart because i realized like the chances of you changing your trajectory because of like the gangs that you're involved in or because of yeah. yeah it like there's only so much we can do so there's something that's popular called the 100 reps theory it's like you might get to like the 90th or 99th rep, and you don't get to see them change or like really get to that 100th rep. But you're just hoping you planted enough seeds so that it can flourish with the next educator or the next advocate or the yeah. next person mm. of support. But there was shit like I literally had, like, well, part of me is kind of hesitating because I don't want to like perpetuate this stereotype of like inner city schools, but. It's, some of it's pretty fucking funny too. Like, I had a male <laughs> kid who I, I had a policy of I teach bell to bell. No one got to use the restroom when they were in my class. Yeah. And then it, it's illegal to do that. So I never put it down in policy, but I would work it around. So I was like, oh, you got to use the bathroom. Okay, for sure. You're next. But we just got to get through this activity. Let me show this video first. I kept like stalling. And so kids, after a while, started saying, yo, we never
3: get through this. Let me see your
1: restroom pass. There's no fucking names on here. I was like, no, it just happens. But You know, we'll talk about that later. Let's get into the video. You know, like you got to do your partner talk first, you know, and people were like excited. But kids don't use the restroom. Like how many times do you have to use the restroom when you have to go to the movies? But you don't. Because it's dope, you know. Yeah. You don't want to miss anything. Oh, I'll go to the restroom just
0: to fucking chill for a hot second.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then because you know, once kids value their experience, they don't want to like move away from it. And I think I was fortunate enough to learn how to like cultivate that. But there was this one kid who was like, "Yo, Mr. Kwan, I just drank like two monsters. I have to go to the restroom." I was like, "Okay, cool." So I kept like stalling. And and when I was a teacher, we taught hundred minute
2: blocks. Those block periods. Damn. Oh shit, that's a long fucking time to. Be sitting
3: in the class, man, yeah. Be like, and fuck
2: this shit. This guy was, he was, like, a hard,
1: he he had, like, a lot of street cred. Yeah. You know, but because he behaved in class, you know, that's actually what helped champion a lot of, like, the things that we were able to do. But he asked, uh, like, four or five times and was like, yo, Mr. Kwan, I got to fucking go. You know, and I was like, all right, but we're, we're just going to take care of this activity first. He's like, mm, I love you, Mr. Kwan, but I got to do this. And he took out a bottle, like, one of the I oh, mean he peed in my class
0: that's fucking funny yeah and i was like interacting that's with someone,
1: fucking I funny the, I was like, fuck. you know <laughs> oh, but i mean man. like those are like comical things but i've also that's seen, fucking
0: like, funny it's like well this backfired a little <laughs> yeah. bit
1: yeah and so after that i got called into the office i got reprimanded it's like okay yeah, did course. he ask you this many times actually we polled we did an informal poll of all your periods we looked at your restroom pass and you have like no one using the restroom <laughs> we have to write you up because the parents complaining. Yeah. You know, because we, they, they try to discipline him. And I was like, don't worry about it. You don't have to. just like, no, for the optics of optics of things, like we're going to suspend him. I was like, no, this one's like on me. Like yeah. you can't suspend him. And, but the parents complained. And then that's how like, it kind of just unraveled.
0: Uh, some for of the bureaucracy optics, of it, yeah
2: sucks. the optics of it
1: that's, so I'm
0: saying it's so hard like to figure out like being a teacher isn't just like this pamphlet where you where you yeah, just do it you got to figure yeah. out and navigate as you go well, especially yeah. in in places like inner city schools yeah. or charter schools right you don't or, know who's trying to fucking in punk you who's trying to lie and you're right. trying to you know right yeah I mean if you know in that first situation with the girl who you got really mad at right like it, now that with the knowledge that you have now how, how would you have done that differently
1: well i one of th- the hard rule that I started making was I don't yell at kids. Yeah, I can't, you know, because it's 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 triggering. It's also ineffective. And like, I lost the argument as soon as I raise my voice. I'm, I'm physically demonstrating that I cannot convince you guys. So I'm doing something that's just like getting loud. And it's so you know, ineffective that I stopped doing it. And anytime I would, I would like share some of these things, like with my class, this is how I built community. I was like, this is where I'm coming from. Here are things that I will commit to. And I'm going to honor your space. I like value your opinions. You're not like my minions. And I, I'm i an authority figure, but I never want you to feel like I'm an authority figure. The authority figures that you may be used to in your lives. I'm not your peer, right? But I want you to understand that I like, we are on even playing fields in this classroom of education and learning. And and so some things that I would share is like I'm never gonna yell at you, and if you see me starting to yell, call me out on it. Be like, Yo, Mister Kwan, why are you yelling? You said you're not gonna yell, and it happened. And I'd be like, That's a great check. Thank you for that. Let me calm down a little bit. Let me think. Why don't you guys do this? Yeah, (laughs) I would do things. And so one of my coping mechanisms, and it still is to this day, is I get quiet now when I'm mad because I'm so scared of like blowing up. And my pops pull at me like you know like that. So that's like something that I learned was I don't want to be like that you know, and and I I start, I kind of just get quiet and then my face gets a little expressionless. But then my wife caught on to this too. She says, yeah, but you got this like vein. (laughs) It won't, it starts pulsating. And I know you're pissed. And, you know, now that the hairline's receding, like I see it more and more. (laughs) So they would like point things out like that. It's like, Ms. Cohen, we know you're pissed though. You know you're quiet. What do you expect? I'm like, I can't get mad? I'm not mad. I'm not mad. But then it became like, and then the training, you know, elevates to like, well, honor your emotions, you know, and like talk about it or like just identify. Yeah, I am mad. Acknowledge it. Can I just get some space? I'm really, I'm having a hard day. Or I'm trying to figure it out. But when you're real with kids, like they're so real with you. And when things like that happen, they just want to be respected. Yeah. And they start modeling what you do. Yeah. You know, it's like I had like some really, some kid who's not, who would nonstop cuss in other classes, just be like, Ms. Kwan, I'm angry right now, you know, and I just need a little bit of space. And, Give me some time. You know, like that's like the ideal solution. Yeah. like some want. adult yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is. Adults don't even do that. Yeah. Like theory points that if you model that behavior, they're going to follow. Yeah. They're so impressionable. But then if you model other things like losing your temper or, you know, like trying to exert authority, like I'm the teacher. How dare you? It's like, well, fuck you. I'm the student. So how dare you tell me what to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah, start yeah. Flipping the script on you. But yeah. So a lot of these things were like just really cool moments. And they are just other moments that broke my heart or, got me downright. The only, like, the only time I actually got scared and like was fearful for my safety was, um, I did something where you, you hold kids back. This was not my first year. All, almost all my mistakes were like in my first year, but I held the kids back at the end of the day, my sixth period, they're cutting up. I was like, that's it. You guys got one minute of silence. All right. That's going to turn to 10 minutes, 12 minutes. All right. I'm counting. If you guys don't shut up, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and, and you can't hold kids after school legally. But I did anyway, because I'm kind of a rule bender. And I just stood in front of the door. And this one kid uh, just quietly kind of walked up and said, hey, uh, Mr. Kwan, I have some uh, friends who are going to be picking me up today. So I think they're waiting for me. It's in your your best interest to just let me go. I was like, no, you know, you got to sit down. And I I like this kid. We had a relationship. I was like, you got to sit down. Everyone's part of the same thing. He's like, no, but I did all my work. And I think what you're doing is unfair because, you know, I've been trying to like turn it around in your class. And he was. I was like, yeah, but, you know, we we like we ride together. We're a family. And so you got to sit with everyone. And he said, OK, well, Mr. Kwan, they're waiting for me. But maybe next time they're waiting for you. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then that like it, the implications of it didn't like register and I didn't react to it. I was like, ha ha ha. Like, all right. You know, it, the time's not going to be that much anyway. Just have a seat. And he sat down. And he was a quiet kid who had like everyone's respect. I knew he was affiliated or just banging. And he always had like the flossiest things. And so he had money. He was hustling. um, And no one like physically challenged him, even though he wasn't like very physically imposing. It's like, this guy is scary. And I knew that. But then for it to like actually actualize itself because I took something away from him. Was a scary moment. It was a scary moment. And that's the only time that I was ever fearful of anything. Um, And he actually didn't make it he because I, I keep tabs on like a lot of the students who I had relationships with. Uh, he got locked up for a pretty uh, hefty crime. Mm. Um, So I wrote to him. But then I think he he didn't want to interact because his cousin was a little bit younger with yeah. my school. And he was just like, no, he's not responding to any of us. So he's like just in a really dark place. But he had that kind of like internal strength to do that to a teacher, like to make an over or covert whatever you want to call it threat like that but mm-hmm.
0: very low key but like, yeah, I'm, big a bl- I'm gonna fuck you right. up right no for, for sure, for gonna sure. On it's like guy. it's like a Different. cerebral attack when it's you know? quiet like that that's when i get scared it's yeah. like oh because you know the threat is real yeah. yeah you know he
2: doesn't have to like yell and shout and pound his chest it's like i'm letting you know yeah and get some work done on you <laughs> And so like the I, I forget if it was like the
1: next day or if it was a friday whatever it was in in the time sequence but i remember talking to him, i trying to talk to him afterwards about it he said i don't know what you're talking about you know, oh, we're still cool. Like you're my favorite class, and he still—I still, okay. still want to like improve and all that. But that was scary. Yeah, because it was like there's no boundaries for this kid. Yeah, that level of like the
0: it's like, we're cool, flight. but don't cross me. Yeah, yeah, that's some thug shit, dude. Yeah, that thats is. some
2: straight up thug shit. And 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 it's unfortunate that you know he ended up getting locked up. But then that begs the question, right? In in a lot of these poor communities, right? Uh, and when Nikhil was here, uh, I asked him. How much do you think racism plays a role in the criminal justice system? And he said, "A hundred percent." Like, all, yeah, yeah, right. And then, so when you look at the people who are incarcerated, right, there tends to be a pretty clear trend: poor and black, right? Yeah. Poor and brown, right? So then, how big of a role does education play, and how important is it in in you know kids kids who are in those type of communities, right, to cut ca- to keep them out? of the prison system?
1: Yeah, no, and it's a great question that I've really thought about over the last couple years at least um, in my latest uh, education or, like, learning. But I think school has such a critical role with, like, not only educators, teachers in the classroom, counselors, school psychologists, you know, the campus security. I'm talking about everyone who works in education is an educator, Mm -hmm. you know, because you have some sphere of influence over kids. I think there, there's such a crucial role in that, but I think it's it's almost it, – it's so obvious to talk about that. I think it, it begs the question, and you have to bring into the conversation of, okay, we've asked schools to do more and more and more with less and less. Yeah, right. right. Less funding now. Right. Less access to trainings. You got to do more days you know, of instruction. You just got to do more and more and more. We have families who are becoming dual income earners at the, you know, best case scenario, that's increasing the single yeah. family home of one parent working, making a livable wage is like laughable now, yeah. you know, and so, okay, we're asking schools to do all this. And now teachers are counselors. Now they're, you know, not only guidance and like emotional counselors, but like guide, like college counselors too. Now they're nurses. You're asking them to do all these different things. Where's the funding to bring that back into right. the classrooms? You know, like, yeah. So let's move some funds, even at the local level or at the state level. Let's move some funds away from some other areas and bring it back into education. Is, I think, important to consider that other lobbyists and other groups aren't willing to talk about because they think, well, that's their job.
2: That's yeah. what they're supposed to do. You know, it's like, yeah, but times are different now. And you're, well, they're saying do it on as little money as possible. Like, yeah. we, I mean, that indirectly shows you how much importance they play. Like, they'll talk about it for, again, for optics of politicians talking about how important education is to this country, how important it is to build and develop the future of the, you know, the country and the world. But then what are you actually doing to to. Base, uh, to back that up, What's I wonder the action?
0: I wonder why education is so – I mean in a, from a monetary sense, why it's so devalued in this country. Just because it's like a, it's such a huge foundation and a huge factor to how our young leaders are going to progress, right? Like I, I never truly fucking understood that shit just because – I mean it's, it's, it's sad to say but you know, teachers are babysitters. Really? When, when mom and dad are gone, the teachers are there all the time. They're the one that has to watch them like you said – they have to see it like number one, like checking out their clothes, if they're getting enough food, all of other there's so many factors to being a teacher, right? That yeah. really affects this young mind. I never understood why this country devalues our, our our educators so much. Like almost like that's what you're supposed to do kind of stuff, you know what I mean? And it's, it's more important than that. I think if anything else, we want to talk about, like, defunding the police or whatever, whatnot. We'll take some of that fucking money and put it into education. Yeah, educators. And that's, I think, what's on the table yeah. for this, these type of discussions Yeah, because right let's let's go at it at the root of the problem. Let's start with the source. Let's fix them here before they become, like, these adults, mm-hmm. right? And I, mean, I— Preventative
1: instead of reactive. Right. Yes. Exactly. And I
0: really, really do—like, after-school programs, I think, help. I mean, for me, I didn't really go—I had to go work in my parents' store. Yeah. But I know, like, after-school programs help a lot of people out, specifically kids in sports. Yeah,
2: and I think statistically, studies will back that up, too, right? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%.
1: Yeah. And I think the impact an individual teacher or, you know, you could even expand that to a group of teachers or to all teachers that can have on like individual lives. And it's it's so important for individuals. But I think when you're looking at like widespread change, like you guys are talking about, it has to start at systems. Yeah. And I think part of that is, yeah, there's the federal government, but a lot of education because every demographic, every region is so you know, it's different. The one size fit all, you know, model doesn't exactly, work. Exactly. Yeah. And so then you look at like local politicians. Like, what are like the, the, you know, the the bills that they're supporting? What are like the changes that they're advocating for? But everyone shies away from education because it's so fucking complicated. Mm. It, it. There's only, no. There's only, no monetary gains from it. Yeah. Only talk about it. right? Yeah, they'll talk about. Yeah. We need to reform them, but they'll give you like the same. Exactly. Soundbites.
2: Exactly. Twenty
1: years ago it was like smaller class sizes. You know, higher paid teachers. Yeah. Or, yeah, more money in education. Yeah, more money for after school programs. Yeah. You know, and, and for, for individuals who may not have yet even really thought about education for yeah. 20
2: years. Yeah. The
1: fact that it's in your brains is that
2: it's probably, you know. It's it, just become a checkbox to these yeah. people. like in order to make sure I have the basics covered, this is what I need to check off.
0: Cause but, like, yeah, when yeah. I went to, when I wanted to be a, a teacher, right. It was obviously because of, of educators that I've been in high school that they affected my mm-hmm. life. So I was like, okay, so I want to do this too. And then, you know, my dad talked about pay. I was like, it can't be that fucking bad, but it was like in the, in EGUSD, it was like 28K. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? I'm going to have to suck dick. Like, <laughs> this is my future. I have to suck yeah. dick for a living. Like 28000 And they're like, well, yeah, that's your first. I was like, what does it go up to? It's like thirty two. I was like, I can't live off of that. Yeah. How the fuck am I supposed to live off of this shit? You yeah. know what I mean? And it's so sad that the determining factor for me for not to become an educator was because of a, of a salary. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, I, I mean, you got to, you know, in order to endure that low of a salary, you
2: really got to have the passion behind it then. And, and you know what? But you would think. I, yeah. But it's also fair to yeah. say, like, all right, you know what? If I get paid that much, I can't do this. Yeah. I mean, at least you're being honest about it and, and not being irresponsible. Like, well, fuck, I can't find any other job, so I'll just take this on for now. Yeah. Then you're not you're not going into that with the responsibility that you that you're supposed to actually care about. Yeah. And think about. Now I'm like starting to wonder how bad of a
0: teacher I would have been. I feel like- <laughs> Get if, the fuck out of my class. I feel like a kid like disrespected me and I just, just like was really quiet. And I said, I'm never going to yell at you, buh. but the funny thing is like after school, I'm going to get a bunch of my homies. I'm going to fuck you up and you're not going to even know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to have a fucking mask on. I'm oh going to beat the God. shit out of you. You're too and I'm, big to be and bad, that And then I'm going to ask key, you the next day. I'm like, what happened? Yeah, what, ha- <laughs> what happened to Why you? you and you're like, like shut up, bitch. <laughs> yeah. It's like who beat you up in the parking lot? Like, who was that? It was me, the crowbar. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: there have been more instances that I would like to count, you know, remember, where it's because a teacher physically like did something to a a student. Oh wow. Oh man. Yeah. Whether (laughs) there's some of them just crack me up because even in like the reprimand, like the teacher knows they fucked up. So it's like Kwan. I just don't want to get fired can you just make me avoid that like yeah. i'll do I, like i know i fucked up but can you help me
0: out here it's like think, what did you do it's like i threw him through a window yeah. it's like i don't know how you're gonna work around this. So <laughs> like
1: whether it's a shove or like pinching their neck or grabbing their head and like what the fuck did you say you know like things that it's just like because you, you just get so frustrated and so you react yeah. to what you're conditioned to and it doesn't remove the behavior but you identify that behavior and you think
0: okay how can we prevent this let's target the behavior not the person but yeah. They need like therapy or some shit because that's so much to, especially inner city schools. Like that's what we're talking about right uh, here.
2: He was telling me like in the beginning that some of his uh, female, you know, coworkers would be getting therapy because they they were, you know, like um, not sexually abused, but... uh, Harassed? Yeah, harassed. Harassed. Yeah, Yeah. verbally harassed, you know, a lot of improper... Innuendos. Yeah, innuendos, improper, uh, you know, comments on on the way they look, right? So there are people who get like mentally damaged from from just trying to be an educator.
1: Yeah, and then I think districts and charter organizations, they, they started smartening up. Um, I think, you know, on a, a, a moral standpoint, just to prevent this from happening and making it better, but also from a financial standpoint, because they're one lawsuit away from being sued. You know, a teacher says, oh, student ABC said this. Maybe the stereotype is a student, the teacher has issues with class, classroom management. Maybe they're new in their career, so it gets kind of dismissed or swept under the rug. Teacher starts documenting it. They lawyer up. They say, this happened. There's actual evidence of video footage. building like like a year-long case. Yeah. Boom. That's like a million-dollar lawsuit plus.
2: Yeah. But yeah, it's
1: it's complicated.
2: So like for you, um, what do you think it was that really guided you and helped you to persevere like those beginning years? probably when it's the hardest, not to say that it got easy. Now, I'm still I'm sure there's still a lot of challenges. And that's my second question. Like, what do you see as the biggest challenges in like inner city schools or in charter schools that are in inner city neighborhoods?
1: Yeah, I think to that first question, it's 100% my wife, right? Mm. She is my rock. And when I started my teaching career, she was there. You were there when I first started dating her. But um, one thing that kind of like, started off our conversation was um she was saying oh i wanted to be a teacher you know and um i'm not going to go down that route but do you need help like setting up your classroom and it was like my first year and i was like all right shit none of my other significant others offered even to help you know and we weren't even dating at the time we're just you know uh, uh, not friends well
3: so <laughs> this guy, no, guy like, how do scoundrel. I, you know,
1: because his wife is our homie's little sister. Yeah, I, just, I realized I just done a trap. It's you know? <laughs> like, like,
0: how do I navigate this right now? Let me try to backtrack. It's he like we were we were friends. We were just Bible study together. You know, we, we was, were just
3: uh there was no. nothing
0: like
1: yeah. We're it anatomy. So. Sex, I just realized the the start of our relationship was not on very you know like noble terms. You know I fucked over. <laughs> I didn't fuck over. I, I'm dating my one of my closest homies' younger sister, and then yeah. he. When I started catching feelings for her, you know, I went to him and I was like, "Yo, you know, like there may be something that's kind of like budding with your sister." Me, was like, "Fuck that." immediately i don't think so I think,
2: I think that would be the standard response like, like
1: you're not doing it man like yeah. that that's just not gonna happen and and i think he's a pretty aggressive fellow but then he ended up saying like please just don't yeah like it just makes things complicated you know and the the con additional context is that he we had two mutual friends who did the same thing and he actually gave permission but i think oh, that, that's why yeah that's the why friendship was forever tainted and he was like, like." "Yo, I like, Two other friendships are like changed. I don't want that to happen. And and I said, Fuck that, I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs>
3: but it worked out. Yeah, yeah it worked out. Worked you know? out for yeah. the
1: best. Best case scenario. For it worked sure. out. But uh I don't even know how we started talking about how did I trap myself? Because you said she was the inspiration. Oh for yeah. Her. She was my bedrock. And so who like I, I never really complained about teaching or the things that I was like really struggling with with, you know, my peers. Definitely not like my I don't have a great relationship with my parents, you know, but it was it was my wife. And she was always there. So having a good support system is, I think, critical. Mm. And then I think um, for some demographics, like going into the teaching field for financial reasons, it's like a failure. You know, there's even like the like comical video clip that starts off with saying like, oh, ha ha ha, you couldn't do it. So you decided to teach or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, but that wasn't the case for me. Like my parents were incredibly proud that, I cannot believe that you decided to be a
0: teacher. Oh, God. Not my parents' man. Yeah, It didn't start off that way. My dad okay. was like, you sure you don't want to be a lawyer? I
1: thought you were, what happened to that criminal defense my, I could,
0: The exact thing my dad said, I was like, I want to be a teacher. He goes, cool. So you want to be poor? Yeah. That's exactly what he said. So you want to Beto. be a failure? I was like, that was fast. Yeah. The value of ed- education is like sacred in my family. And so that
1: was really cool to have. And then a lot of my friends, a lot of them who were making a lot more money than I was, would still be like we would be out at yo we'd be at like bars in k-town and then one of like the when we're trying to like just meet girls or just you know have fun like, yo, and this is, uh, oh, man, this, you got to meet Mr. Kwan. He's a teacher and he does all these things. And I was like, yo, was that kind of like a play? Just like an in to get in? He's like, nah, man, it's fucking dope that you're a teacher. <laughs> and so I was like, what the fuck? I'm getting all this like street cred, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like Kwon song you know?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so like having that support system was instrumental, but other things was extending that support system into the school. And so I had a lot of like like-minded peers who are still a really close group of friends. And we still meet up. We're all in different like some even moved out of education. But we're, we're like our education, our teacher homies, mm. we're, we're still connected. We have like a chat and all that. And I think um, what helps is the ongoing training that I received yeah. was not only like, okay, you got to be hopeful. You know, it's not lip service. It's like you got to be hopeful because here's the training that we provided you. Now do it. And we're so excited to see what you're going to do with it i always had a lot of like champions and like cheerleaders next to me and i had a lot of mentors i'm of the type you know like if if i'm not good at something but i see someone doing it really well i have no shame in saying like
2: of course yo
1: that shit was sick how'd you do it yeah like can i talk to you yeah can i buy you a cup of coffee can i sit down with you or can i go with your approach let me break it down to like a granular level because i thought some people were saying like oh the art of teaching i was like no because i'm going into like you know, a handful of teachers, classrooms, and I'm seeing something similar. I just can't, I don't, I don't know how to label it. And then I, I started like really reaching out for mentors who I still keep in touch with when I have issues now or problems I can't solve. I'll reach out to like my support network and my mentors. And it just, it just keeps you going because it really takes a village, you know, and I took that to heart. And so these are things that I would share with my students and say, hey, when you can't figure out that problem or you're struggling with that essay, that's why I'm asking you to create this group you know of your peers share your numbers right now it's like nah like mr kwan i like like hey
2: hey i don't want to talk to this share your numbers right now (laughs) yeah this is why
1: they're like oh shit this guy's serious so i was like where where, where are you from you
2: know yeah Uh, (laughs) well i don't think our families get along but my number right that's like the conversation that you gotta have right it's like what 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 street you Uh, want you know yeah
1: Things like that is just like really when you when you have experiences like that, I feel very fortunate because a lot of those things I couldn't control. It's just I was fortunate that these people were available, you know. Because I've had instances like even in my current role right now, where I reached out to someone's like, "Hey, how'd you do that? Can I figure that out?" Or you know, I really like that. I want to mimic it because that's something that uh, that I think I could I could do, and you know, I want to work with you more on that. And they're just elusive. Yeah, you know, it's just like mm, you got to wait a little bit young buck I don't know how many years you had in this, this. yeah and I'm like yo th- this is my first year <laughs> you know it's my fifth year it's, it's like, hard
0: sometimes though because like when I see younger people they ask me for advice in their career path right Like, oh I want to do like comedy and I'd be telling them I like bro I don't know <laughs> like yeah. I, I wish I could tell you something right because I'm trying to figure it out <laughs> yeah. still it's, so, it's hard sometimes right because sometimes when they say like okay well how did you do this and I'm like i don't fucking know like i've never had the time to stop and think how right yeah. and i just did and so like because it, it constantly evolves and change so i guess i like, guess kind of see like maybe sometimes it's hard for people it's like how, it's like okay well like if somebody asked me well how do you do youtube i would tell them you fucking do a video and you upload it <laughs> you know <laughs> they're like well what are the specifics yeah. i don't fucking know yeah. you know what Figure I mean? it out. what's yeah. your lane <laughs> yeah. right yeah i was like just i don't know be passionate about something and commit to it but you know sometimes people want specifics about stuff and I was like oh shit I don't think I've even thought about the specifics yeah so, yeah and then you can't hold anyone against it for
1: yeah. that approach whether whatever whatever's going on in their life their life situation or just the desire to to mentor or like pass yeah, on information like, sure. if you don't not- have it that doesn't mean you're you're a sucky person you oh, know? or,
2: or not, not to mention some not everybody can be mentors yeah it,
1: right yeah or even like um You know, you may disagree because of the Sacramento Queens jersey, but Lakers, (laughs) Kobe was notorious for not being a mentor in Mm -hmm. the beginning portion of his, his career. Yeah. He's like, figure this shit out. Watch me. Yeah. yeah.
0: I know you something. And he was the worst teacher ever, just to let you know. <laughs> Nobody ever fucking liked him, just to put that out there. I love I have a I have Kobe right there. Yeah. If you see him, yeah, he I fucking love him. But yeah. you know, just to let it's, you know it's, be, it's behind. Definitely. Lakers got a help oh, no by some dirty referees, just yeah. to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, you guys, you, did. you guys, yeah, you guys
2: damn well know it. Yeah, it was facts. Oh, no, all all I know is we got chips. That's like-
0: <laughs> <laughs> not we, they did. You guys yeah. fucking suck dick. Yeah.
2: So as far as like challenges go then. You know what? What do you think is like a pretty glaring challenge in the environment that you're in? Yeah, I think um,
1: like we we can you know talk our ears off about the system, yeah. But, and then we could also talk about like individual performances. But I think um, David, you brought it up. Is I, I don't think our society values education holistically, yeah, for sure. You know, and I I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I'm sure viewers will have some opinions is it social media is it like you know the lure of money is it the education system is broken and you could succeed in other routes 100% you know and I think that's a fact but that's that's such a small minority of people no and I would even venture to say that but it's a large enough population mm-hmm. where you can't just disregard it you know it's like well you know I'm going to win the lottery I will, I'm gonna disregard that because you have a, <laughs> a one in 300 some yeah. million fans. No, I'm talking like, about like
2: high school dropouts who be, who who went who wanna go on to be super successful.
0: Yeah, you know you what? Know, very, very small.
2: So Someone yeah. actually
1: questioned me on that. It Was like, hey, like John, you're you seem pretty motivated. Like, what was your demographics like? Where'd you grow up? It was like, oh, you know, I grew up in like Cerritos. I went to Whitney's, like fucking Whitney or like Shitney, because they came from like Norway, <laughs> They actually knew yeah. about it. And it was like you were a fucking dweeb. I'm sure you had like all the access that you had. And I was like. Like, what are you like all your friends doing? And I thought back and I think there's a certain percentage of our our close group of friends who weren't successful, or they took an alternative route, or they didn't go the traditional, okay, succeed in high school, go to college, two year or four year, find a career, make money in advance, you know, that's just like the cookie cutter way. But they found alternative means. Or if you look at their success story, they overcame obstacles that other kids see in like other disadvantaged societies, but somehow they made it and they didn't. Yeah. You know, they they beat the statistics.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be inspiring. Yeah. And it's inspiring. So I think, I mean, I think it's just sometimes because these kids watch like, you know, these young YouTube kids and they're like, "Yeah." well, look, I was like, but do you realize how many people are on YouTube? Yeah, like, exactly. like literally like a billion people are on YouTube and only a yeah. uh, half of a half of a half of a half a percent <laughs> yeah. great living off of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So like your chances are not, not great. It's great for you to kind of leverage it and go somewhere else mm. maybe, but the, the thing is, it's like. Like for example, they go, Well, you didn't graduate college, right? I was like, Yeah, but I was in that motherfucker for five years. (laughs) You know, but a lot of the stuff that I'm great at, the only reason why I figured out that I can do this well was because I had those experiences. Yeah. Period in a story. Like, where the fuck do you think I learned how to read and fucking write? It was from school. Like the reason why I could speak the way that I do was because of the education that I had though. It doesn't it doesn't it goes hand in hand. If you you have to give yourself that upper hand first before you go ahead and figure out that you could throw it away these there are so many learning skills that's why like i like i know I, I might have to go ask my fiance about this but when we have kids right i i want them to go to a public school mm-hmm. really bad yeah. it's a bigger pool of people that's life you know i don't want I don't want to be able to pick and choose everybody that they get to be allowed. I Mm -hmm. want them to be able to navigate through life how you're supposed to, right? And so that's like the the promise of what an education can give you. Whether you choose to be a doctor or you figure out what your specific lane is through your major, at least it'll give you options to figure out why, Mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of people eliminate these things and they don't figure out their why first before they just toss it away. So that's why like, you know, that first year of college, they're so set on what they're going to be. I say, yo, breathe. Give it a go. Try your best and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Because what happens to a lot of people, like it did some of the people I know, they're like, I'm going to be a doctor. They say that from the day one, and they mm-hmm. went through all this fucking education and did four years, and then like, fuck, I didn't want to be this. Yeah, and I was like, and I knew it too, because we're friends. I was like, I knew you couldn't do this shit, you fucking dumbass. Yeah, you know I mean, you're going to be a doctor. I wouldn't trust my life in your hands at all. You stupid son of a bitch. Yeah, you know. And it turns out you know what their skills are, but they just chose to ignore it, mm-hmm. and they just kind of went that path. So yeah. a lot of this stuff too, like, and education is very important. Like that. Well, what you're saying actually just reminds
2: me too that even with an education, you get priced out. Not only is there a lack of funding, but to go to like these major universities, right? There's there's a pay to play model. And, and the most ironic thing about that is it, the core foundation, right? They don't get enough funding, but the ones who aren't going to make it to 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 go on to those universities, even if they have an opportunity to, might not be able to afford it. Yeah. Know? Or or maybe they might get grants and scholarships and all that, living expenses, right? Maybe it's out of state, you know? So you just get priced out. And so that's like the ironic thing because colleges make fucking major guap, right? They oh, got for sure. they got major fucking guap. And the endowment funds that the private universities have, billions, you know? Maybe, okay, maybe not billions, but triple digit millions, you know? Yeah. Some of these, like USC, I know for sure got that type of money. S- billions, I'm guessing, right? And their endowment funds. So these, Institutions make major guap, but it's like, how do you even get there though? Yeah, you got to start at the, the basics.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I don't want have like the specific numbers, but the cost of higher education has like,
2: yeah, drastically increased.
1: It's yeah. ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And, well, the, our the pay whole, hasn't increased. Yeah, no, yeah.
2: The whole boomer argument of like, you know, back in my day, like it cost this much. It's so, like, yeah, well, that's why people can't fucking go to college now. Yeah. yeah, because of your
1: ass making the policy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I fed four kids, went to college, <laughs> yeah. got a 250K job, yeah. and bought a boat and a house. Well, yeah. two houses, yeah.
0: Yeah. It I mean, I think like that. I mean, education is just so fucking expensive. Like, I, I wish – Post – yeah. Yeah. Just the community college route seems to be the way for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very smart thing to do. Community college and even state universities are a lot more affordable. Because I went to UCR and I went to Sac State, and I was surprised how cheap – you yeah. know the state university level was. And right. I was like, holy fucking shit! It's night and day. Yeah, yeah. You know, even
2: it, within California,
0: Cal State versus UC, oh, know, dude, a UC. Oh, it's pretty big difference. Insane <laughs> yeah. how it was like twenty. It was like close to twenty G's mm-hmm. to yeah. to attend a university per year, and mm-hmm. then at the state level, it was like eight thousand or seven thousand. Yeah. And even before, and at that time, that was a price hike because before that, it was about four. Right. Yeah. So I was like, it's ridiculous like in my mind it's like if you can if money's an issue go to a state university yeah you know? it's like what uh one of the homies shared in our
1: like chat thread the predicted like our anticipated cost of ucla um in like 18 years or 20 years like when your kids entering college if the rate of tuition keeps climbing at this rate and it was fucking ridiculous It was like Forty five k or like fifty k a year. Fuck like, that you up sucking dicks, really yeah. dude. I mean,
2: even even for like the average, uh, you know, income families, that's not an easy thing to swing. You know, yeah. And and then it's like then you get into this cycle, this perpetual cycle of debt. That's yeah. a huge problem in this country, right? Because you're putting a price on education. Yeah. And so, like again, going back to just the lip service of uh, talking about the importance of education right? But no real action behind it, no real funding behind it. Um, nothing fundamentally, ha- fundamentally changing, right? And then so that already sets you up. So, okay, let's say you get to the university level. Now you're coming out of uh, your, your uh, college career with a debt, mm. right? And that debt could range anywhere from like 10K to maybe like 20, 30, 40K. And then you decide to go post-grad, right? Then your debt goes up to six figures now. And then so, like, uh, from there, you got to get a job now that's going to realistically help you pay that loan off quicker. But you're already starting behind. And so, like, that's the backwards thing is, like, they're putting a price to pay the, for you to get educated. Yeah, And that's that's the biggest issue here is, like, not just uh, the, the funding that's necessary at, you know, elementary schools, junior high schools and high schools, but even if you're able to get past all that, Can you afford a college education? Can
0: you afford a post Would you guys be okay if your kid came up to you and was like, I'm not going to go to college. Like, this is what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, because I can't knock that. Because, I mean, I dropped out, Yeah, you know. So, for me, it's like, what is it that you want to do? Because the thing is, if it's just, oh, I don't want to study and uh, I, I don't like school anymore. Then, no, you're asked to stay in school. If you have a, a legitimate reason, though, like you have a passion for something.
0: I'm hoping my kid doesn't want to go to college. That's just expensive. I'm it's like, let me just me, keep, like, dad, let I just... hate college. And I'm like, that's cool. my boy right there. If he's like, I really want to go yeah. to college. I'm like, you're my least favorite yeah. child. Dude. Get the fuck out of my let, face. Let, let me
2: buy you a PS7 <laughs> at that
3: point. We'll give him some Reeboks. Start breakdancing, yeah. bro. Like, <laughs> Figure it out, dude. Stop pop locking this shit. I don't yeah. know. It's yeah.
1: just so expensive. Yeah. I think um in America or in you know in the United States, the, the education is like the great equalizer because mm-hmm. people have that opportunity. In some countries, you know, halfway across the world, there's a caste system or you don't have that chance. You, you wherever you're born, the luck of the drug, that's who you're gonna be. You know, yeah, you yeah, what are you trying to be? Like, sure. are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that's pretty cool. But um, like you guys are saying, the cost of education just is so ridiculous to your point. I don't, I wouldn't be mad if uh my kid said, I'm not going to college. And like your son, it's like, okay, what's the plan then? Let's map this out. Yeah, You're sick of this teacher or you're just disenfranchised. You don't like learning, whatever the fuck. All right, I support you. But know this, once you're 18, I'm not supporting you anymore. So you better have a fucking plan. Yeah, Whatever it is, is okay, fuck, I'm gonna go to trade school. And okay, let's look at those like salaries. Let's look at what you need, a livable income to live in the areas that you want or the lifestyle that you want. And I think if you start backwards planning a little bit like that, bring some perspective it should be helpful because i know my parents didn't do didn't do that kind of planning with me they only I and mean, they didn't know how right they didn't have that kind of knowledge yeah they just knew that okay if you get these high professions you're going to be happy education is important because they come from a country that prioritizes it you know and it's like you better study or i'm gonna beat your ass but yeah
2: <laughs> do i really value education
3: then if you're doing that
2: so I value not getting the ass whooping. (laughs) Well, this
0: generation has a different problem than us, right? Like this generation has like a burden of choice. Like Mm -hmm. you guys have a lot of fucking options. And I always say this is like, it's almost arguably harder for you now because before it's like, like, you know, we were talking about how when your basic needs aren't meant, those are the things that are prioritized, right? It's like, I need to fill this because I need this. Well, now in this other generation that we're seeing that they're not growing up as poor as us, (laughs) you know? So their options are huge huge and so they're they're kind of overwhelmed like they're sitting there and now because they have so many choices paralysis of choice exactly they sit there and they don't do anything at all because now they're second guessing everything it's like well if i go into this route what if i want to do this and what if i want to do that like our parents didn't have that it was more like okay I need money. I need to feed my family. No matter what I do, this is where the ends meet is and this is what I need to meet. Now it's like that's not even an option. They don't even give a fuck. They're like, "Well, well, I'll figure that shit out." You know, I have a roof over my mom and dad are paying for stuff. Now it's like, "What do I want to be?" That to them, they just don't do anything now. That's that's the thing that I like I I'm trying to get some of like you know, young listeners To understand is that you keep saying that, number one, it's like, you don't know what to do. It's like, no, you know what you want to do. You just have too many options. That's the difference. And you're scared that you're wasting your time by choosing one route. And I keep telling people, you don't know what the fuck you're going to be until you try. That's what it is. I didn't know I was going to do a fucking podcast. Yeah. I didn't think that shit. I thought I was going to be, when I first started in this space, I assumed that I was going to be the biggest stand-up comic in the world. Mm. I did that shit for six, seven, no, for a long time. And I was like, I don't really enjoy this that much. I don't enjoy doing stand-up as much as I used to. So what did I do? I switched over. I did YouTube instead. YouTube was fun. And I was like, this is great. Now I want to do food. Okay, well, food is fun too. Now I want to do a podcast. Things change. Your, your your options change constantly. Like You don't know what you want until you actually try it. But inactivity doesn't doesn't grow anything
2: it, yeah yeah it literally sure. does
0: nothing for you.
2: you can't you can't let it die in, in inside of your mind you know you, you have to take that first step you have to take action and then figure out a, because there's no perfect plan you know like you could plan as much as you want it's never going to go according to oh one. yeah 100 and, and i think that's something that you know uh younger people will learn as they get older just like we did right we always thought we knew better when we were younger you know like our parents would say something it's like, nah, fuck that. I know better. Right? <laughs> you know what you're then, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but then you learn through your mistakes. But the most important thing is that you do, you commit to something and you take action. Doesn't mean that you have to stick to it for the rest of your life. Yeah. But there's no other way that you're gonna find out whether or not that's your lane. And even from that, just just from the process of you evolving as a human being, it might other pa- it, it might go into another path, right? And it might di- diverge from there. So who knows? But if you don't do anything and you stay inactive and you're just thinking like, what should I do? What should I do? That's exactly what's going to happen. You're just going to sit there and think, what should I do? That's it. Yeah. And that's the extent of it. Well, that wraps
0: up this podcast. That was fucking educational. <laughs> it's really great. Fucking out of yourself out with that last piece of information too. <laughs> Get a nice little knock on your door from her older brother. <laughs> oh, fuck, man? <laughs> Well, do you have anything you want to plug? No, man. He's Not just really. an educator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just,
1: just doing the good deed.
0: Doing the good deed. He has a cookie <laughs> business on the side. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, if, if there was anything, it'd be like, I think this BLM, like, something I, I've been thinking about and I, I talked about with my wife, with the BLM movement, uh, which isn't old. It's and, and the things that they're talking about, is also like decades right. old. Like Civil
2: rights movement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think we, we challenged ourselves to be like, what are we going to do to change our behaviors? What are we going to commit to doing and acting? And traditionally, it's always been time or money, right? So, are you going to act and like get involved or do something? Are you going to join a group? Are you going to, you know, be do something productive or are you going to donate? And I think it's, it's, we also want to learn. We added the third element to that. We want to learn more. Yes. So we looked at literature. We're starting to follow the the channels that really uh, that we align to that we think they are talking the right talk that are really smart and intelligent and I would really challenge everyone out there to do more than just like what is going on? Like, that's a good space you got to be in you know but and then what so
2: act I think acting is important for sure for sure and and, and I I kind of uh, touched upon that too on a post I recently made was that don't let anybody define what doing enough is but yeah. do something. Right. And then and 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 start your path on your own. Like no no one could tell you you gotta go from zero to a hundred. And if you're not doing that, you're a piece of shit. Everybody's gonna have their process with this. But the most important thing, just like we were talking about in terms of career or or figuring out what your path is, is to start, take that first step, whatever that first step may be. And then from there you'll figure it out along the way.
0: Yeah. Right. That why part's really important. Yeah. To me, it's the most important part. And uh I think I got a little bit of backlash because I've been uh i'm very vocal yeah but yeah. one of the biggest thing i've been vocal about is just you know that black screen you know and yes and people are like you're very why aren't you impressed with that i was like i've seen i've seen this because i grew up in a very predominantly black area i've seen this type of activism activism i've seen it so fucking often i'm almost sick of it because it's like none of you are questioning why you are the way that you are you are just doing it just to do it and i was like this is a cyclical issue don't i i I'm not here to police people's activity and activism, right? I personally don't think I'm an activist. I'm just very passionate about this stuff because I've seen this bullshit my whole life. Mm. So that why part is very fucking important, right? Because now we have this issue of we do things for social currency. Right? We do it just because other people are doing it. We've seen this already. We saw it two years ago with the death of Philando Castillo. Mm-hmm. I've seen this already multiple times. Yeah. If I have to go through this again, I'm going to be a looter next time. <laughs> like, I'm going to be that <laughs> writer. My patience is running fucking thin. Yeah. Right? I went to a, a protest, I went to a vigil. Next time I have to go through this again in 10 years, I'm fucking shit up. That's the point that I am. So I understand this This is this is why I'm saying that why, like you mentioned, is very fucking important, that intros, intro, introspective part. Why do you have anti-Black thoughts? Why is it that I think this way? And it doesn't have to be illicit. It doesn't have to be so in your fucking face. But that especially in the in – like what I'm finding out the most, which I didn't know, was in, in the Asian community. How, even in like churches, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? This is a place of God where we see a lot of anti-blackness. Yeah, for that, sure. Yeah. That it's, it's, it's it's sadly,
2: you know, um, pretty ingrained in a lot of Asian culture, you know, in the Asian
0: countries. Even just like Asian countries where we see a darker skinned person of our own culture where well, we mm. think it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's to the point where fucking people in Korea look like see-through. Yeah. <laughs> like I can see the veins in your body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: just, you know, it just kind of became the thing of like darker skin tone is inferior in some way.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it I, had a lot to do with the the working class and the, you know, royalty, royalty right. around the sun. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh,
1: David, what we've, you know, socially interacted more than a handful of times, mainly through Ed, and I think I, I want to put it out there that I'm admiring what you're doing. I respect it, and I think if it hasn't been said before, it is fucking ballsy to do so. Because it takes courage to do what you're doing with your platform and the base that you developed. And my like knowledge of social media and all that's you know not that great. But I do know what marketing and branding and all that is. And I think um, what you're doing is, you're, you're, like you're saying, it's probably started with your why. And you you wanted to enact some change. And I don't want to see the same bullshit. At the same time, you may be alienating some of your base or your population. Or your oh, brand. for sure. Yeah, and that, you're like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Like outside of a monetary perspective, from a principal standpoint, I don't give a fuck because this is where I stand. Yeah. You know, and whether they walk away, you know, for those of you who view this or if you disagree with anything that David says, I really think diversity makes us better. Absolutely. You know, and if you – I've actually started following like alt-right and extreme – Cause I I, I you I'm gotta be exposed to that. Yeah, I, oh, I you have want to, to know. To that. Yeah, and it's not like at first it's like, well, I'm gonna count this motherfucker. Like <laughs> yeah. I wanna know where you're coming <laughs> yeah. from. Somebody noted up, you know. But then yeah. it became scope this motherfucker. Yeah, and, and I was like, quick. it's such a fucking myopic, narrow viewpoint of where I'm trying to win, as opposed to like, let me just understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And where do we see eye to eye? Like, okay, where do we disagree? Like, can we get better and learn? And I think that's why what you're doing is
0: just, I don't see it too often. You know, especially in the Asian community, so it's really yeah. Tough. I mean, you know, when I first started doing this stuff too, like I didn't realize like how much of an oddball I was. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, I was like, oh, people just speak their fucking mind. You just say whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? And then I'm also the weird thing is, I think like the thing that I'm finding out too is that I always I talked about this recently where it's there's racism is a spectrum. You know, and that's what we're really finding out. They people think that they're not racist because they're not going out calling people the N word, yeah. calling people chinks, yeah. calling people, or just you know, prejudice, not For calling sure. people you know the F word. Yep, as forgot as they say. <laughs> you know, um, and they're, we're finding out that it's a spectrum. It's it, it's really deep into your ideals and what, what you think of these individuals as people, right? And. I'm learning that right now, right? I'm learning it the most in in Asian people when I see these people come out the woodwork. Especially that's why I like this movement so much right now because it's forcing people to have an opinion. You you want to stay in the middle line as much as you want, but now you you have the choice where you can't. And like I said this to somebody who I just had a conversation with, he goes, I want to be on that middle side because I can see both sides. I'm like, what's the other side? What's the other side of racism, right? Right. And he didn't have an answer. I was like, that's why you're not allowed to be in the middle. Because if you're going to have a stance, if your stance is the middle, what is your mission statement? Mm -hmm. You don't have one. So now you have to choose. That's why you're uncomfortable. It's because you don't know why you have anti-black sentiments. You know you don't hate black people, but you know you feel these bad things. And you don't want to talk about it. That's what I'm trying to expose right now. Mm -hmm. That's why, like for me, people like they sent me this thing of – it wasn't Iggy Azalea. It was fucking – I think it was Azalea Banks. She's crazy, right? Yeah. She says a lot of like anti-black things and they go, you should talk about this. It's like, not my position. That's somebody in, in black culture. We'll, we'll let we'll let them police their own. I got to do my, with my community. I got to work with mine first. That's why I'm outing a lot of these Korean rappers. They're mm. fucking trash. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that kid Owen, you're fucking hot garbage. And I literally told him, if I see you, on, I will slap you on fucking sight.
2: <laughs> you know I mean? It's like let's be peaceful, but I'm a fucking.
1: Slap I will slap you on
0: sight. And the reason why was somebody Just like don't that. Don't
1: throw or break your phone.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna break my phone. He ain't fucking worth it. But I'll yeah. slap the fucking shit out of the kid. And for me, and I always talk about this too, I'm very, very highly perceptive of who I am now as an adult, and I know who I am is because of two sp- specific cultures: my Korean upbringing. I wasn't born in this country. And then my also the 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 black American hip hop culture that is that's kind of molded who I am. For, sure. For me to to not give credit to that and to yeah. not denounce that makes yeah. me a fucking Chauncey ass bitch. Yeah. So I refuse to be that person. And if you're that person too, where you took from this culture, and they're just asking like, "Yo, can you back me up?" They're asking. <laughs> they're asking. You know. And yeah. then you go, "None of my business." Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I have an issue with. Yeah. It's 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 like um it's very um. You're a bitch. <laughs> like, I mean, what a, uh, no, what a bitch. For it's sure, it's, a, it's, it. It. Yeah, it's Yeah, yeah that's it, what it is. It that's is. a better word. It, it there is. you go.
2: It is. It's, 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 it definitely is cowardice and, and pathetic. But I think also, too, to note is that sometimes these people just have that disconnect in, in that fundamental thought of recognizing that I'm taking from this culture. They just think it's just status quo. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't really take it a step further of actually recognizing that's black culture and that's ingrained in your life. They're just thinking it's just culture. Like it's not black culture. That's pop culture. But yes, it's (laughs) pop culture, but it came from black culture, right? It it got popularized into pop culture, but it's, that's not the origin. You know, it it came from something. That's what I'm saying. Some people don't take that next step Mm. and they don't recognize that. So they're just thinking, what am I doing wrong? Like, why are people attacking me hmm. because I like hip-hop music I can or see that. Yeah. yeah I like the way e- to, to buy certain brands or, or talk a certain because they don't and so ignorance is always the biggest problem there are inherent racists for sure like who are on the extreme end of that spectrum that you're talking about but then there are the ones I feel like kind of in between where it's more of ignorance than racism right B- rather than being on the low end of racism they're kind of on the high end of ignorance of like not recognizing yeah you got to understand that's you're taking from that and that's why people are
0: calling you so you're out. the compassionate side <laughs> I, I am fire and yeah. brimstone. Slap you on
3: site, motherfucker. It's hard for me. It's like,
0: because I've I done that route yeah, now yeah, and yeah. now I'm on the fed up side. Nah, in, I know, I know. It's, so And I think both are equally effective, right? It yeah. just depends on who you're talking to, sure. who, who, who has like an open mind. For sure. I think some people don't and yeah. that's where I come in with the fist of fury. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: you <know>? Falcon punch! <laughs> yeah.
0: And then they're like, and then what I want to do is like, if you made a profit off of this, mm-hmm. right? And then you're sitting there and you're mocking this movement, I'll make sure you don't make a. Fucking sink in single cent, and then you'll see how much this culture has affected For your sure. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like, there's sure. another kid who wasn't Owen, but I forgot his fucking name. Mm. He's, he's a fucking Tushik. Mm-hmm. And this fucking little Tushik motherfucker, <laughs> you know, he wrote, he goes, he wrote, it was a uh, new wave matters, which is his new EP that dropped. Uh-huh. He goes, I don't really care about the social aspect of a BLM. I just want, I just want you guys to check out my album. I'm oh. like, how fucking socially irresponsible is that yeah, shit? Yeah. And I flamed him, and this kid just wrote back, he just wrote comedian to me, and I was like, you probably don't even speak English. And I just wrote clown right back to him. And I also told him, if I see you, I'll fuck you up. (laughs) But everybody has a different route, and may God be with you. Praise (laughs) praise (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Round it out to God. Yeah, praise Jesus. Uh, Jesus You have a lot of anger, and Jesus is the way in the blood (laughs) of Jesus Christ, so that I wash all of your sin.
3: (laughs) Every day.
0: Well, guys, you guys can catch the Genius Brain Podcast on every audio platform out there. You guys know we're here every Thursday and Sundays. Here to entertain you on your uh, your commute or whatever the fuck you're doing. Number one podcast. Everybody else sucks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you all next time. Peace. All right, peace.